You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network. As finally, in Bad Movie Month, we do a good bad movie. Yay! We are here to talk about one of the most infamous, maybe the most infamous comic book movie in the history of movies. The comic book movie that many argue destroyed comic book movies and made people rethink how they are made. And maybe if it wasn't for this film, we wouldn't be in the golden age of comic book movies that we are right now. We are here to talk about the 1997 movie, Batman and Robin. And as you can tell from the tone of my voice, I am too excited to be talking about Batman and Robin. We might be the first and only podcast ever to be happy to talk about Batman and Robin because we've done some turkeys this month, no pun intended after last week, but even if we hadn't have done some real turkeys, we would still be excited because we, again, are maybe the only two people on planet Earth that will enjoy Batman and Robin. I was about to say defend. I don't know about defend, but we'll see how this goes because who the hell knows we're too weirdly excited to talk about this movie. Uh, and, and let's be honest, we're going to be spending the next two hours doing our best Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonations <laughs> because this maybe is the greatest movie ever from Arnold Schwarzenegger when it comes to puns. And let's get into it right now. Allow me to break the ice. My name is Ben. Learn it well, for it's a chilling sound of your doom. And I have been waiting the entire time the Oz Network has existed to do this. <laughs> My name is Colin, and we'll kill the dinosaurs. The Ice Age! <laughs> I really wish we could have gotten Robert Darby to join us just to impersonate Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> every five seconds. The very first movie we ever did on the Oz Network was The Sixth Day. We have done, what, like mm-hmm. six Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, I want to say, off the top of my head? Maybe five? Oh, more. More. We, we more power. five Terminators. <laughs> oh, true. Okay, there you go. We have five Terminators. We've done The Sixth Day. We've done Jingle All The Way. We've done uh, uh, True Lies. We've nice. done The Last Action Hero. <laughs> we are the Arnold Schwarzenegger Network, apparently. And again, <laughs> the greatest of them all, Batman and Robin. The only things this man says in this movie are puns and... <laughs> like, literally, that's all he says. And this movie is just filled with puns. It is the cheesiest, campiest over-the-top, not only Batman, but comic book movie you will ever watch. And we watched Catwoman a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Colin, I want to say these words that right now, that this movie is amazing. It's, it's amazingly bad, but it's, it's, it's so fun. This, I, I said yeah. to you off-air that I love this movie. <laughs> Watching it last night, I'm like, this movie's great. It's so bad, but it's just I have an absolute barrel of fun watching this movie. Uh, please tell me I'm not alone here. You're not alone, um, <laughs> and we're not alone. Let me just say this. Jamie has actually uttered the words to me, if you guys don't defend that movie, then you are out of the house tonight, Colin. Because <laughs> this is her favorite Batman movie, in a weird way where I feel like we would be ashamed of her as much as we love this movie, because she used the the, the phrase today, she says, that movie is a flat-out masterpiece. And she wasn't joking, she wasn't being sarcastic, and I'm like... Jamie, you might be going a little bit farther. It's like, no masterpiece. (laughs) (laughs) Like, she believes this is the ultimate comic book movie ever made. And, like, in a way, she's yelling something from downstairs saying, it is. She can hear me, apparently. (laughs) But uh, in a way, I think that's kind of right. Because 
this is just a comic book. Now, it's a comic book for a time period. Like, I feel like Batman fans are so stuck up, and comic book fans are so stuck up that they just think that what they read at, at whatever period or this this era of comics is the only way it can be. Yes, we have a dark, you know, uh, brooding Batman with the Christian Bales, but if you go back and read Batman in the comic books, he wasn't always like that. Now, it did start that way. It started more like a serious detective, but throughout all different decades, all different eras, there were times where the comics were really over the top and cartoony like this and nonstop catchphrases. Now, this is almost like let's take a comic book and then see it lived out on screen on acid. <laughs> so it's not 100% accurate. It is very much a toy commercial. It is very much a product of Joel Schumacher's erotic fantasies, <laughs> but it is brilliant for all those reasons. And I love it too. And I, I think that if we didn't have the Batman movies prior to this, this was the first Batman movie ever made. This would have come out in 1997 and people would have been like, well, you know, it's goofy. It's, it's stupid, but at least it's fun. At least it's entertaining. At least it's campy. Cause this is everything that the Adam West TV series was. And I've never understood when people would knock this movie just for saying, Oh, it's so campy. It's so this and that. I'm like, wasn't that the point of the TV series? Everybody loves. Why can't we give this a free pass? Give a free pass to Schumacher. Come on. I love hearing those words. I mean, I my childhood hero and still to this day is Michael Schumacher, uh, <laughs> Formula One driver. Yeah. So anyone with the last name Schumacher, I'm going to like. But yeah, I agree with you, and I think it's. And we're going to talk about this so much in this this recap. It's that people like you can see why people bag it out, but at the same time, like as you said, like if you just capture this as like an Adam West era Batman, like I've never really watched a full episode of the Adam West Batman, but I've seen enough to know what the style is. And, like, this is just an, a, an episode of the 1960s Batman. Like, this yeah. this movie belongs in, like, the 60s or the 70s. It, it doesn't belong in the 90s. That's your problem. But, like, it's just... It's so campily silly. And, like, the comic bookness of it. Like, we talked a lot when we did Spider-Man a couple of years ago about how the first, you know, two Spider-Mans are very much like a comic book. And, and maybe more in a style of a comic book that most comic book people want. Not, like, over the top like this. But... It is just so ridiculously silly that, like, the acting in this movie... Okay, let's just say this right now, because we're going to get to our history of it. Again, we're jumping all over the place like we did with Julie last week. The worst actors in this movie are our heroes. Like, Batman and Robin and Batgirl all suck. But Schwarzenegger, (laughs) Uma Thurman... They're brilliant. <laughs> like they, yeah. <laughs> they just live up. Like I've been reading so much about uh, interviews and everything, and Uma Thurman like just absolutely nails it. She's like, I lived up to everything about this. Like the campiness, this overall, you know, femme fatale aspect of Poison Ivy, and we'll talk about how maybe she's the star of this movie because she she owns it. And then even all the extras in this movie, like, oh my lungs are freezing, and like just like. <laughs> random things like that that you just expect to see in like a 60s or 70s movie or tv show they just live up to it i I got i got one for you you silly girl in gotham city batman and robin protect us (laughs) talk about a cold shoulder uh It's meaning like it is this is intending to be campy. Yes. Like that's why I think it needs to get a little bit more credit because it's not like they made like Geely where they thought they were making something really smart and it just Cat turns woman. out gross and inappropriate. 
or Catwoman, yeah, like where they're trying to take it serious. At no point was Joel Schumacher or anybody else involved in this movie trying to make anything other than a really, really big budget version of the Adam West TV show. Yeah, and and like uh, John Glover came out afterwards and said that basically Joel Schumacher would be going, guys, we're making a cartoon. Like, he's uttering those words. Yeah. I am the, the biggest defender of Die Another Day in the world. I love Die Another Day, but I can see with Die Another Day that, like you and Noah, some of your criticisms of it is that you know, you've got silly stuff in a movie that for the most part is playing it straight. They're trying to play it serious. Whereas they're not doing that in Batman and Rob. The whole thing is just ridiculous. <laughs> like it is mm-hmm. it is deliberately deliberate. Look look at us getting all worked up already and we haven't even started this movie. <laughs> um to calm down a bit and to backtrack a little bit, uh history with this film, uh and this is the first one of this month that I've had a history outside of Crossroads. Um, my dad growing up would always ring up the local radio station and, and win everything. He would always win prizes and he won the double pass to see Batman and Robin, like, you know, a week before it was released. Um, he also got the soundtrack, uh, which we'll talk about cause this is the very first full CD album I ever owned was the soundtrack to this movie. Uh, so I remember going along to the, the premiere of this movie um, I remember the two radio hosts like came out dressed as Batman and Robin and put on a little show before the whole thing came on. And I remember leaving this movie, and I was 10, so again, target audience, I guess, uh, loving it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, listened to the soundtrack to death. I had the, um, you get like the fancy little card that says, you know, you're invited to the Batman and Robin premiere. I used to have that on my wall because I just loved it. And then when it came out on VHS, like it was, I asked it for Christmas and I used to watch it all the time. And I don't think at that point I'd ever seen another Batman movie. I'd maybe seen Batman Forever just because of Jim Carrey, but I maybe think I wasn't allowed to watch the first two Batman movies. I don't know. Um, so for a very long time, maybe until Batman Begins, this was my Batman movie. This is like the only one that I watched and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I think there was like a, we have a, like a show every year with like rides and you can get show bags and stuff. I think I would get the Batman and Robin show bag because you got like stickers and pencil cases and all the merchandise and all that sort of stuff. So for, for such a long time, this was like my, my go-to Batman film. And I, I honestly probably hadn't watched this movie in a long time. Um, I remember I maybe 10 years ago, I bought the Batman box set uh, just before I think the Dark Knight Rises came out. So I went and watched all of them and, you know, finally went through the Tim Burton's and all that. But um yeah, I mean, I've just that's my history with this movie. I've always had a connection to this movie weirdly. Yeah, I mean, I I grew up with different superheroes. I it's not that I didn't like Batman, but for me I always loved Superman and Fantastic 4 and Captain America. Those are like the main ones that I was into, and I was sort of aware of Batman. And when I remember when the the first Batman movie came out, it it was one of these things where the, you couldn't get tickets into a movie. And I remember we had an older cousin that was going to take us all uh, to go see Batman. And every single time we tried to go see Batman, it was sold out. And so we would end up seeing other things. And um, Batman Returns, I think I eventually saw it when it was on TV or something. But it, it wasn't like I had like an insane interest in seeing Batman. It was more like, well, this is the movie that everybody's talking about. So I guess we have to see it. And Batman Returns, you know, I, I remember – it coming out i remember it existing i don't remember ever really having an interest so for me it really was batman forever where i got into it where okay this this looks incredible and i think just the the addition of jim carrey especially for anybody who was growing up at that time yeah that was a big selling point and i think i at that point i'd seen the first two batman movies i enjoyed the first one i didn't really care for the batman returns at all but just having jim carrey in there i'm like well i gotta see this and 
I went like opening day. I still remember Batman Forever. This isn't the Batman Forever episode, but still important <laughs> context. It was like the hottest day I could remember. And uh, I went with a friend of mine and, and I had to take a bus all the way down to which was closer to his house, which was like 39 degrees, you know, before the humidity. And then humidity in Winnipeg makes it more like 45 or whatever. And uh, watching Batman Forever and just loving it so much that I had to go see it a second time. And then I had to go see it a third time. And me and that friend, we just lived Batman for that whole summer. We had made ourselves Batman-type costumes. (laughs) And we made like grappling hooks and stuff like that. And we, his grandpa or his uncle or somebody in his family had a video camera that I'd borrow. And or not me personally, he would borrow. <laughs> <laughs> his family usually borrowed me stuff, not him. But uh, we would start filming our little Batman movies in his basement uh, over the summer. And uh, you know, some of those are hilarious. If I could ever find it, they're absolutely Isn't hilarious. That that we one were doing you the said same when way. When we did Kill Feels, that you said you had like a Batman movie or something you did. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, it would be terrible watching it, but I think just like this, we were intending for it to be terrible. You know, by the time this movie comes out, I think we were still into Batman. It wasn't quite at its peak, but me and that same friend were there opening day, and now roles had reversed. He was coming down to my area to see it, so he was busing for an hour and a half across the city, and uh, we sat in the theater and we watched it. It's like, yeah, that was really good. It's not as good as the first one. For us, we were thinking Batman Forever was the first one, but uh, we're like, yeah, yeah, it was still really good. But I still remember I went to go see it a second time, and uh, I, I took my brother, and it was still like the idea of this being a bomb, total lie, because the theater, again, weeks later was sold out, and we had to sit on separate ends of the theater. And when this did come out uh, you know, on video or whatever, I think it was for Christmas or something like that. My sister got it for me for Christmas. Like you, I had the soundtrack. I mean – it was still a fun movie for me, but but I think from the beginning I always I always was aware this is a bad movie. Like it wasn't like I was thinking this movie's brilliant as a young dumb kid. <laughs> I still think about Batman Forever that it it has some brilliance about it. But this one I knew that it was cheesy. I knew that it was corny. I knew that it was completely campy and ridiculous and possibly homoerotic. Even at that age, I understood that. <laughs> but, uh, it was fun, and I I. I probably still go back to this movie just as often as I do all the other Batman movies. Uh, it's not like I skip one. Uh, you know, when we get to the end, I'll kind of, uh, I don't know if you have a similar thing you, where you would rank this among the other Batman movies, but oh, I can think about it's it. not going to be my last place Batman movie. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not my last place Batman not movie. Not mine either. Not mine either. Um, no, that's good. I think we should maybe do that. Because, I mean, I'm sure we're probably next year in the lead up to The Batman, we might go through all the Batman movies. Um as an idea column, yeah. we haven't talked about that before, but um, uh, <laughs> I know there's DCEU, but we're still going to be doing that hopefully this year in the lead up to, to Wonder Woman. But um, yeah, I it's it's tricky, like I think, with the Batmans uh, when we get to that part, because, um, you know, at least say with the Spider-Mans, they're all very similar, even though they're kind of, you know, differently made, whereas like the Batmans are so different, um, you would argue, because I mean, God... They, they call this, like, what, the quadrilogy, the original four Batmans. But, I mean, yeah. I kind of look at it as two, two, three, and now, what, two in the DCEU. Because, to me, the Tim Burton ones... I know Tim Burton was involved in Batman Forever, but let's be honest, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin belong together. Batman, Batman Returns yeah. belong together. The Dark Knight trilogy belongs together. And then uh, Batman v Superman and Justice League belong together. But, anyway, that's another yeah. kettle of fish. But, um, yeah, I'm sim- similar to you. Like, I've, I've always been, and we've talked about this 
you know, back when we did uh, some of the DC movies, that you know, I've always Superman's always been my number one. But um, I'd, I'd rank Batman as my second or third favorite superhero. I'm I'm literally wearing Batman pajama pants right now as I talk about this. <laughs> but Spider Man's probably my number two, then then Batman. Yeah, I might be close to that too. I mean, I've got other more obscure comic book characters. You know, no, nobody who's really had a movie made after them. Well, Shazam now would. Yeah. You know, I mean, I would always be a Shazam fan. But uh, yeah, of the main ones, you know, Batman would be up there with Superman and Spider-Man for me. You know, you could throw the X-Men in there as a group. But just just as a whole, I mean, Batman definitely stands up. And the villains too. Like, oh, yeah. This is this is something important to say. That, you know, where, whereas you have Superman where there's Lex Luthor and then there's a bunch of villains where you're like, oh, that's a good villain. That's a good villain. But it's always Lex Luthor. With Batman, you have the Joker, and then you have, like, Penguin. Everybody knew these villains. So when this movie comes out, it, part I guess partly the Batman animated series might have helped with that. But even still, people knew who Mr. Freeze was. People knew who Poison Ivy was. You know, Bane might have been a bit more of a stretch. But, like, the, the villains have always been just as well-known as Batman. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I mean, we've seen that this year with Joker. We've talked a lot about this on our DC episodes that, you know, DC does villains way better than Marvel, but Batman probably, of all comic books, has the greatest villains because you're right. Like, I mean, gosh, the Joker, you would argue, is up there maybe more famous than Batman sometimes. Um, and mm-hmm. then, but the 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 wide variety of villains, I mean, this is the fourth Batman film at this point in, what, 10 years every single one mm-hmm. you kind of define more for their villains don't you than the actual storyline you know you know the first one's the joker one the second one's the penguin and catwoman one the third one's riddler and two-face and the fourth one's mr freeze and poison ivy and is it also impressive that they've gone through four movies but what is that seven villains in four movies and it doesn't yeah. feel like they've exhausted their villains at this point i mean you could even throw bane in there he's used as a henchman but now you got eight and I think even even as much as people will attack this movie, they still will defend the villains. You know, Schwarzenegger, it's a different type of defense, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's not like people are like, oh, they really were running out of ideas. Whereas with Spider-Man, I mean, by the time you get to Lizard, or even Sandman in Spider-Man 3, people were like, yeah, you know, probably not the best villain that they could have used. Even if you stuck with the source material, not a lot of meat there. Yeah, and, and I mean, how many times have they used the Bloody Green Goblin in Spider-Man? And then... I think the rumors are that Green Goblin's <laughs> going to be back in the third, you know, Spider-Man Homecoming sequel or whatever it is. But um, that's the thing with Batman. Like, Bane's a very good point because I was reading about Bane that he was kind of only really introduced into Batman comics about four or five years prior to this. Um, and we'll <laughs> obviously probably talk a lot about the portrayal in this movie because Bane in the comic books is more so like he was in The Dark Knight Rises, you know, intelligent, you know, smart, not a dumb, dopey <laughs> henchman. Um but yeah, I mean, obviously Bane went on to be the head villain in one movie, um, and <laughs> we'll talk about Coolio's cameo in this, because Coolio is actually meant to be Sandman oh, in the yeah. sequel to this, so you've kind of got another set up there. Scarecrow. Well, Scarecrow, sorry, yes, thank you. Begins with an S, I get confused. I didn't realise that until I read it, like, an hour ago. Yeah, I mean, technically, the next Batman movie, you did have the Scarecrow as the main villain, you would argue, with yep. what's his name, Cillian Murphy, so, you know... Yeah. They sort of did it. Um, Coolio, though. Yeah, could have been cool. I did love one of the things I watched. I don't know if it was the Everything Wrong With or the Honest Trailer where they were like, they missed an opportunity for Coolio to be the henchman for Mr. Freeze because his little name is Coolio. Oh, 
<laughs> so seriously, um, how did that not happen? I know. Um, but a bit of background with this. I mean, they kind of Warner developed this movie pretty much straight away. Like they saw the success of Batman Forever, they're like, "Boom, we need to green light this straight away." Um, because there was, what, three-year gaps between the previous Batman movies, and this was only a two-year gap. Um, George Clooney was signed on basically when Val Kilmer... I mean, there's a few different reports about Val Kilmer. Uh, most of it comes down to the fact that he'd signed on to The Saint and he couldn't do it. Joel Schumacher has said that he kind of wanted to get rid of him anyway because he didn't really get along with him too well. So I think Joel Schumacher was a little bit happy. But, um, I mean, we'll talk about George Clooney a lot. I remember this being a very, very big deal, George Clooney being Batman, because obviously at the peak of his ER powers, ER was the biggest show in the world at this point. So, And he hadn't really done Hollywood uh, I think he'd done out of sight at this time, hadn't he? Um, uh, so, I mean, no? He, he, no? he did, um, well, well, just quickly running through his filmography, because I was just thinking about this uh, yesterday. Uh, ER starts, what, 1994? 94. Yeah. And in those days, every TV show would run for 22, 24 episodes. So you would only have, if you were an actor, you know, on TV, and then you also wanted to do a movie, you could only do one movie. So I think it was... Uh, after the first season of ER, he does From Dusk Till Dawn. Mm-hmm. And then after the second season of ER, he does One Fine Day and then signs on to Batman pretty much during the third season of ER and has to pull double duty. So, I mean, we're talking about two years on a TV show and he's Batman. Like, I can't see that happening with anybody today. Can you imagine, like, if it's a big star, maybe, but imagine, like, an unknown actor. Like, let's take, I don't know, like, what's that, uh, uh, 911 show. You know, take like the, the the young guy on nine one one, and imagine if they said, "Oh, he's just been cast as the new Batman." People would be like, "What?" But yet with George Clooney, like ER was such a big deal, and him specifically, such a big deal on ER that it it was a bigger deal just the fact that they got George Clooney, not oh, this guy from ER got cast as Batman. Yeah, and like this is um you know a bit of a time capsule because I think ER's weirdly one of these shows that I feel gets forgotten in conversation about how big it was like twenty years later, like mm-hmm. you know, it, and it was huge, like. I'm obviously a huge defender. I ranked it, what, at number three, number four on my greatest TV shows of all time list. It was the very first, I guess, adult show I was allowed to watch. But, yeah, like, George Clooney was just the number one guy. And this was huge. And I actually, yeah, I'm looking at his filmography now, and I always thought that Out of Sight came before this, but clearly it didn't. And, again, we're going to talk a lot about Clooney in this episode. He he said that he regrets doing Batman, but he's also said he is appreciative for it because this was his big break. He said, without this, I wouldn't have broken into Hollywood. Um, so, And he apparently keeps a poster of this on his wall to kind of remind him of not only it was shit, but also <laughs> that, thanks, this got me into Hollywood. And, I mean, he's now the A-lister of A-listers. Like, he is in the you know that select group yeah. of the biggest movie stars in the world, Academy Award winner, and people didn't need to realise that at this time he was, you know, the biggest TV star in the world at that point. Um, but anyway, so... But this was a huge deal for him to be Batman. He's a terrible Batman, let's be honest. Let's just say it right now. He is a terrible well, Batman. <laughs> like, no? Even in the first week... So? Well, no, here's the thing. <laughs> this is one of these movies that... It's not like people were immediately saying this is one of the worst movies ever made. It's sort of like came out, people were like, well, that was pretty good. And then a couple weeks passed and people criticized it a bit. It really took until it had been out for maybe six months before people started saying terrible movie. But right from the get-go, there was a lot of that George Clooney was a terrible Batman. And I always had like the same argument. I said, I think that if you look at the three Batmans in the movies, uh, I think that Val Kilmer played the best Batman, but he was a very average Bruce Wayne. 
I think that Michael Keaton played a great Bruce Wayne, but was a pretty average Batman. I think that George Clooney was very average as both Batman and <laughs> Bruce Wayne. So in a way, by default, he was the most balanced Batman. I mean, he doesn't have anything really great to work with here. But if, if you had to ask me who was a better Bruce Wayne, George Clooney or Val Kilmer, I would pick George Clooney slightly. If you ask me who was a better Batman, George Clooney or Michael Keaton, I mean, possibly George Clooney a little bit more. But it's just those other actors – like Michael Keaton had such a great Bruce Wayne to play and Val Kilmer had such a great black Batman to play that it's by default, George Clooney's just the average one. I really don't think that he's bad, bad. I think there are moments, but everybody in this moment has everybody in this movie has bad moments. He has some where I'm like, well, that was actually really good. I kind of wish we had gotten a movie a little bit closer along the lines of Batman forever to see what he could have done with it. It's a good point. And I think the problem though, and I just want to say this, I'm a, I'm a big George Clooney fan. I love George Clooney. Uh, um, who isn't? Yeah. God, the guy's, Gorgeous. (laughs) (laughs) He's just so fun. You want to be his friend and be his boyfriend at the same time. But, uh, like, he... he, Yeah, the material... And I think that's where this movie, the the really campiness stuff, like when he's kind of got some of this serious stuff with Alfred, yeah, you kind of get taken away weirdly from it. So had they done a darker one, I'm sure he could have done better. But, like, maybe at the end when we rank the Batman movies, let's rank the Batmans because I... I yeah. think by default he's easily the bottom because I think that, you know, based on your argument there with Kilmer and um, Keaton, you can, yeah, I think that's a very good point. And on paper, Clooney should be the best Bruce Wayne. I mean, he's Bruce oh, Wayne yeah. in real life. Like, I mean, you know. Well, there's a few scenes in this which feel like they were just following him around with the camera. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, I mean, outside of that, I, I love with Arnold Schwarzenegger that basically Patrick Stewart was considered for the role. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how that would have gone. <laughs> Um, but Arnie, I mean, come on. He he gets star billing. I mean, I thought this was a unique thing. Like, he gets a star billing ahead of Batman, but um, Jack Nicholson apparently got hit star billing ahead of Michael Keaton in the first Batman movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, again, we're, we're going to talk so much about these. Chris O'Donnell, back as Robin. Uh, uh, at least Alicia Silverstone's good to look at. I mean, I'm not saying Chris uh, O'Donnell's not good to look at, but I mean, Chris, is he the most annoying superhero? He's more annoying than MJ in Spider-Man. Like, there's a thing. Uh, Alicia yeah. Silverstone, eh. Um, and Uma Thurman, wow. Yes, please. Uh, <laughs> just <laughs> incredible. And a few other random people in this movie. John Glover, Lionel yeah. Luther, uh, Elle McPherson. Uh, <laughs> Australian connection, two Batman movies in a row where the Australia, the Bruce Wayne's love interest is a beautiful blonde Australian. Vivica, oh, he has Fo- a type just like Brian from Chile. <laughs> he does. Vivica Fox, uh, yeah, <laughs> surprise. As Miss B Haven, that's her character's name. <laughs> the great Michael Goff as as Alfred, but um. I mean, plenty to like about the cast. I mean, this is a stellar cast, let's be honest. And, I mean, at least for the late 90s when it comes to Chris O'Donnell and Alicia Silverstone. <laughs> I don't know if you want to say anything more about this or the production. I mean, a lot of the, the complaints is it was rushed. Uh, Joel Schumacher has said this was rushed, so we had problems with it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, two-year gap... You know, I mean, we had that with Bond in 95 and 97. That was a common thing with Bond. But was it a bit rushed? Was it rushed to have a two-year gap between Batman Forever and Batman? Should they held off a little bit longer? No, because, like, well, there's two ways you could look at this. I mean, now it feels like that's rushed to put movies out only two years apart. Um, But, like, at this time... 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. But like at this time, for the Batman movies to be three years apart was almost unusual. I mean, it was typical that sequels would always come out two years. The, you said the Bond movies did it. The Star Trek movies did it, you know? Uh, so these are like big budget things. And even Star Wars, when Star Wars was taking three years in between movies, I remember George Lewis getting tons of questions saying, why are these movies coming out every three years instead of every two years? And he's like, well, we got a lot more visual effects to do, you know? So it wasn't that unusual. But uh, I think also you can look at, you know, the, the Batman Returns to Batman Forever. They lost a whole year in between those movies just on I mean, Tim Burton was supposed to make that movie. So Batman Forever essentially had two years as well. I don't feel like it was rushes and they should have had more time. I, I think that J Joel Schumacher on the, the box set that you mentioned, you know, there's some documentaries on all the movies. And I actually think Batman and Robin might be the most interesting documentaries of them all. Joel Schumacher talks a lot in there about how there was so much pressure for, we want more toys out of this movie. We want you to give us more things to market. So he felt like from the beginning that he was being told to make a toy commercial. And he's like, fine, I delivered them a toy commercial. You know, this is what my job was. I did it. Uh, so I, I think maybe an extra year definitely could have helped them, but like, it wasn't like the studio was unhappy with what they got. I mean, they, signed Joel Schumacher on for the next movie before this ever came out because they were happy enough with what they got. I think this this is what Martin Brest claimed on Gigli that the issue was. I think <laughs> this commercial. was... A, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the turkey <laughs> action figure yeah. from Gigli. Never produced toys of bulls, horns, and turkeys. Uh, or, or sneezing penises. But, uh, <laughs> but I think this this very much was the studio's involvement and him just being submissive and saying, okay, whatever, you know, I'll make it work. I'll make what you want work. I mean, he was a director for hire. He wasn't a visionary director. And can we just point out too, just really quickly, Joel Schumacher, I feel that his career has always been tainted with this movie. He's got a pretty decent filmography with movies oh, he's been involved. I mean, you know, he was one of the writers on The Wiz. I didn't even realize that. But then you look at what he's directed, St. Elmo's Fire, The Lost Boys, Flatliners, The Client, A Time to Kill. Then he went on to do Phone Booth. I love that movie. It's been a long time since I've seen it. The Phantom of the Opera movie. Phantom of the Opera. The number 23. Okay, maybe not a fantastic movie, but it's still a Jim Carrey movie. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, like, it's not like he, he... This is it. Like, it's not like Martin Bress. It's not like what was... The Catwoman's guy's name, Gustav, <laughs> something like that. Um, so you know, he, like he's done a few things. Like he's actually got a pretty stellar career, does Joel Schumacher. So um, yeah, one thing actually too before we get into the movie that I want to mention about um, George Clooney. You talked about the campiness and everything. I loved reading a, a interview or something with George Clooney, and he said that he deliberately played Batman gay. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the whole uh, marriage of... Uh... <laughs> that, that makes sense because, like, you, the whole Batman and Robin thing, like, seriously, they are so gay in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it's great. I'm not complaining about that. I think it's fantastic. Um, if you just... If you watch this movie as Batman and Robin as a gay couple, it makes it better. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, it's like, it's... Oh, so good. Chris O'Donnell, though. Like, we've done a movie with Alicia Silverstone. Oh, I mean... <laughs> I, like, I'm I'm old enough to remember the girls going crazy for Chris O'Donnell. I mean, yeah, he me at the time, who who would be the equivalent now? Like, oh, Ryan it, it wasn't like he was the heartthrob, you know, for for older women, but for teenage girls, Liam Chris O'Donnell. Yeah, there. That's a good example. Yeah, 
he was like a Twilight guy. I mean, yeah. he was the original. Every teenager, my sister and all of her friends obsessed with Chris O'Donnell. They would go see Chris O'Donnell movies just because Chris O'Donnell was in it. I mean, he was a massive deal for teenage girls. And I remember in Batman Forever, I was so annoyed with him in Batman Forever. I'm like, oh, this guy's awful. And for whatever reason, in Batman and Robin, I remember thinking he's actually much better in this movie. Like maybe it was because he got a little bit of attitude, but then – I watch this as an adult, and I'm like, he's actually worse than in Batman Forever. Like, and I don't think it's his fault. I mean, part of it is that he's not a brilliant actor. He's 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 Chris O'Donnell. He plays Chris <laughs> O'Donnell. You know, it works if you're doing something like a movie where he could be a bit of a Boy Scout, like in Vertical Limit. Doesn't necessarily work when you're trying to make him the bad boy with the earring and the motorcycle. I just don't buy it at all. And for whatever reason, you know, when this movie came out, I accepted him more than Batman Forever. And for whatever reason now, it's the polar opposite. Like, he is painful to watch. I will still say, though, I would take him any day of the week over Alicia Silverstone. Like, I had this irrational hatred for Alicia Silverstone almost my entire <laughs> life. Like, I despise the woman. Blast from the Past is literally the only thing that I could ever tolerate her in. And still watching this, like, I, I get this really uneasy feeling watching her. I'm just like, oh, just, oh, I can't take it. Just stop. <laughs> I, I remember that episode that we did, but I didn't realize his hatred was that deep. Um, Chris O'Donnell was in Scent of a Woman. We talked about that last week. And <laughs> he got nominated for a Golden Globe for it. So... <laughs> Golden go. Globe nominee, Chris O'Donnell. F- followed well, that... up by three-time Razzie Award nominee, Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> you know what's weird? We, we, we come out of Batman Forever where you had – I mean, Nicole Kidman hadn't been nominated for an Oscar yet, but she would go on and be nominated for an Oscar. Win you know, Oscar. Tommy, Lee, Tommy Lee Jones, Oscar-nominated actor, right? And winner. We had Jack Nicholson. Sorry, what was that? Uh, Tommy Lee Jones won. He'd won an Oscar by that point too, hadn't he? Yeah, that's right. Fugitive, yeah. 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 Yeah, so we we done you know uh, the um, Joker and I mean, so we had a couple of Academy Award nominees. Here we have a Batman movie where there are two award nominees, and they are Chris O'Donnell and Uma Thurman. Like <laughs> on paper, this does not look like a cast that could promote itself as Academy Award nominee Uma Thurman, Golden Globe nominee Chris O'Donnell, but apparently that happened. And the, the the thing is, like, hasn't every Batman movie basically since had that? Like, Liam Neeson, has yeah. he been nominated for an Oscar? I'm sure he has. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, obviously Heath Ledger won the Oscar. Then mm-hmm. Tom Hardy, I, he's been nominated for an Oscar now too, hasn't he? And then Ben Affleck has, uh, well, oh, yeah. he's Batman, uh, not, you know, evil, but Christian you know what Bale. I mean? Yeah, Christian Bale. Like, it's kind of a thing now, isn't it? Michael Whereas- Caine. Michael Caine, yes. Gary Oldman? <laughs> yeah. Yes, Anne Hathaway. Um, yeah. Yeah, so there you go. Um, so poor Arnie's going to get his soon, of course. Uh, <laughs> like, we know it will happen. But, I mean, like, but again, we, we will talk so much. And, like, I feel Uma Thurman gets forgotten about in the world of Batman movies, that she was such a yeah. great villain, and we'll talk about her. Um but I think we should get into it. <laughs> we knew this is probably going to be the longest one out of all these we do. But, um, I mean, straight from the very opening of this movie, you know you're in for pure camp and everything. Because, I mean, we have giant letters and whoosh, names of people, like, whooshing on our screen. The whooshing is a sound effect in the opening credits, too. That's not yeah. an exaggeration. And then you get this big zoom in of the logos, and they're kind of like spaceships as they fly towards the screen. It's like this red smoke. And then what do we get? Something that everyone criticized this movie for, the overcompensation of leather and zooming up on bums and crotches and 
Everyone always says this is the movie for bat nipples. They had bat nipples in Batman Forever. People forget that. Go back and watch it. There are definitely bat nipples in some of that movie. But there are bat nipples in this movie. Are you? Do you have a problem with bat nipples? Uh, I never noticed them until I got older. Like, it wasn't like, you know, growing up, you're like, oh, did you know that the bat suit had nipples? I'm like, don't they all? And again, because this was my Batman. So it's not something that bothers me. It's definitely distracting when you zoom in. I think that's the difference between Batman Forever and this. They zoom in. But it's also, I mean, I, I, I wish I had actually counted here, but this isn't just the regular suit up scene. It is like nipple, butt, butt, crotch, butt, nipple, crotch, butt, nipple, crotch. Like there are more shots of crotches and nipples and there are human beings in this opening scene. So it does start to look a little bit repetitive watching it now in retrospect. The the problem I have is look at their face mask. They're literally wearing black eyeliner around their eyes. Like because there's obviously like a bit of a gap between where the eye mask sits. So there's like this, you know, circle around their eyeballs. So they've like coated black makeup or mascara all around their eyes, which to me makes absolutely no sense. But it, it that is the, 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 you don't want to talk about forgotten things. When everybody uh, says, oh, the Tim Burton movies are so much better. It's almost like they forget Batman Returns because Batman Returns is not a good movie. And Batman Returns has one of the most hilarious unintentional bloopers of all time where Bruce Wayne takes off his mask at the end of the movie and you see him in one shot and it's all black and then they cut to him in the next shot and the black eye makeup is all gone and you actually see his flesh underneath the mask and it's so distracting and then he takes it off. It's like, wait a second, he had makeup on the whole time. Where'd the makeup go? (laughs) So because I think that that's always ingrained in my head how ridiculous that unmasking shot looked where the makeup was suddenly gone – you know, I, I accept this because I'm like, well, I, I, of course he has to have makeup. Otherwise, he'd look stupid. The one thing I liked about reading a Joel Schumacher interview, too, about the casting of George Clooney is that he apparently, like, he had a magazine article or something in front of him and he kind of did the cover to look at his chin because that sort of it's all about the chin for Bruce Wayne yeah. and Batman. And so they said, like, oh, he's got a great chin. He looks good in Batman. But I think the problem also I have with Clooney is Batman, and this isn't Clooney's fault. It's the, the department, the costuming. This Batman suit looks so awkward. He can't move in it. His neck is so rigid. And the way he kind of like has to turn his whole body to look. And then even then he just looks like he's about to break something because he just looks like he cannot move in this Batman suit. So that's the problem, I think, as well. Um, This whole opening sequence, though, I love it. The the car comes up. It's got this weird disco ball in the front of it. (laughs) Okay? And then you just got this big zoom up on Batman and Robert. And then we get like... People talk about the bad but At least Arnold Schwarzenegger's puns are hilarious. Chris O'Donnell's it like, just shut up. Like, yeah. <laughs> I want a car. Chicks dig the car. <laughs> he's got that stupid smirk on his face while he's doing it. I just want to punch him. And then uh, Batman, this is why Superman works alone. <laughs> and then it kind of gets into the car. This movie is 90% puns, by the way. Um, it's a cool look, like, besides the disco ball in the front of it, I've always liked this Batmobile. Like, I remember when Batman Begins and that, you know, the Batmobile came out and it was, oh, this is so different, it looks so, like, this isn't the Batmobile. Like, there was controversy around that because, like, they were expecting this type of Batmobile. Um, and then Alfred, who, I like the fact that Alfred kind of gets a bit of a starring role in this movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, Michael Goff, great, great guy. He, and he actually, I thought he passed away not long after this movie. He, he died in 2011, so he actually was around for a little bit longer after this. Um, but, I mean, is he the quintessential Alfred? I know Michael Caine did a great job. Uh, and Jeremy Irons yeah. is 
pretty decent. But like, I mean, I think kind of it's kind of like Desmond Llewellyn. You know, he's always Q. You know, Michael Goff. He's always Alfred, right? Yeah, I mean, he's the only consistency in these uh, these movies, like the the original four movies. Uh, and I agree with you. I don't view Batman Forever and you know Batman and Robin in the same universe necessarily as the first two if it wasn't for michael goff connecting them but this almost feels more like a judy dench thing to me where it's like oh of course he's still gonna be alfred even though they're completely separate movies uh but does he have you know as big of a role as alfred should have based on the comics no this movie does a little bit better with it you know it plays it more comically but He's the only one of the Alfreds we've seen on screen that nailed the sophistication because Alfred is supposed to be very articulate and sophisticated. And I think that's what I always loved about him. I would love to have seen what he could have done with the Michael Caine role because this is a very good actor. And even though it doesn't fit the tone of the rest of this movie, his story arc that we get here plays way more serious than it should in a Joel Schumacher Batman movie because of how good of an actor he is. Yeah, this is this is the kind of thing that does take you out of this like silly, campy over-the-top Batman movies, this pretty serious storyline with poor old Alfred dying. So, you know, mm. and we kind of get that straight away with him, like, I don't know, it looks like he's trying to hold in a fart, really, to be honest, when he's like, yeah. no, <laughs> do, do bring back the... Quip. Like, it's very cute. Like, oh, pipe down, Batman. Yeah. <laughs> bring bring back the... He's kind of cute-like here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then... Like, can we just say the worst Commissioner Gordon? I don't like this Commissioner Gordon. Oh, uh, he's, he's awful. He's terrible. Uh, you know, <laughs> Batman, there's a new... And this is this is where, again, it's so Adam Westy and campy because it's just like, Batman, there's a new villain in town. He's at the he's at the museum. And quick, he's freezing people. Like, it's just so... This is where it's fun because it's like it's so much like that. Cut to the museum and... Oh, I, I'm not even going to attempt. I want you to, when you talk about it, just quote all the Arnie's because you're better at doing it. <laughs> Yeah. And, I, and I like the thing that's so great about Arnie in this movie. I love the makeup. He looks so good. Oh, I yeah. love the suit. The suit is fantastic. This this to me is what Gustav Graves should have been in a sillier movie with his RoboCop suit. Mm-hmm. Um, like just straight away, you see him in it. He's just freezing everyone. Um, all of this to steal a diamond. <laughs> <laughs> Batman and Robin show up. Um, and I, we talked about this in Gili last week, how there was, like, no action. This this movie is, like, all action. Like, it's just... I feel like as much as we want to talk long about this movie, we're just going to have to condense a lot of these action scenes because there's so much action going in this movie. Um, but when Batman and Robin show up, uh, we have the ice hockey team from hell, uh, otherwise known as... I mean, who would that be? The... Arizona Coyotes or something like that. Like, I, mean, I don't want to say the Leafs because Nashville Predators. The Nashville Predators. There they are, um, skating around and and why not? Batman and Robin just happen to have skates in their shoes because <laughs> why not? <laughs> um, just in case of things like that. I do like some of the amazing things from Artie in this movie. Like, like he gets all the you know the one liners and the puns. But there's two moments in this movie that I love. There's one that I would just lose my shit when we get to it. But the one bit here when he's like going, "Yes, kill them, kill them, do it, do it, kill them." <laughs> like he's just kill the heroes, <laughs> kill the heroes, everyone, do it. <laughs> just. Just random little bits like that. Um, this all leads to Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze, escaping in a rocket ship. <laughs> <laughs> Remember in You Only Live Twice when we were basically like, going, what happens if Bond had have gone into space? Like, this yeah. is kind of what... <laughs> like, I for- 
forgot that he literally escapes in a rocket ship. Uh, <laughs> to which somehow Batman gets inside. Again, he looks so awkward climbing up because he can't move properly. <laughs> and then, you know, climbing up and getting there. Batman's all like, uh, when he gets his hands frozen, like he, Mister Freeze uses the amount, same amount of freezing coolant here that he's done to freeze an entire dinosaur. And I'm, again, I know I skipped over the best one line in this movie, but again, I'm going to get you to do that when he destroys the dinosaur. <laughs> but like, literally, just to put handcuffs on Batman, and then it, there's a very like Adam West style Batman moment here when Batman's like, "You'll kill everyone in the city. It will blow up a giant hole in Gotham." <laughs> like, it's just <laughs> crazy. And what is Mr. Freeze's plan here? To escape in a rocket just to jump out and fly? Because all of a sudden, they've left Batman and Robert in the spaceship. They blow it up, to which they surf down to stop (laughs) Mr. Freeze. I'm going to say this right now. A worse surfing scene than Die Another Day. Uh, to, (laughs) To which it gets even better. Can you imagine Die Another Day, James Bond dropping a cowabunga line? As he... <laughs> imagine if he lands on the ice after he gets rid of his parachute and he just, you know, adjusts his tie. Cowabunga. Cowabunga, dudes. <laughs> to which, of course, Chris O'Donnell has to drop that. Mr. Freeze, not only is he flying, he's got like a, a vulture flying suit on. Uh... <laughs> He stops himself from dying by basically freezing a thing to land on. Robin gets frozen. Um, Mr. Freeze leaves and I'll kill you another day, Batman. Uh, Batman thaws out Robin in a... I don't even know how he does it. Um, (laughs) Sure. Again, this is what we're saying. This movie is terrible, but it's hilariously terrible. Because, like, so much of this stuff just does not make sense. Um... And then, you know, the first of many moments of Batman and Robin having a lover's quarrel. Like, oh, I was going to do it myself. <laughs> um, let's include the, the Poison Ivy intro scene here. What, oh. What's her name? Pamela something? Pamela Isley. Pamela Isley. Now, is that correct from the comic books? Is that her origin name? I, I believe so, yeah. I, I, I The only kind of other thing I'd really seen her, like I, I watched Gotham for about the first half of it and kind of just gave up, and I'll watch it again eventually one day, but I remember they sort of introduced young Poison Ivy in Gotham. But um, this is where Uma Thurman is maybe the star of this movie because, like, just mm-hmm. even from the beginning here, she's just playing up to the silliness of this. Like, the way she's kind of like, you know, oh, yes, and I'm going to do the experiments and just, just so over the top and silly. The way with the glasses and the geekiness. And let's be honest, Uma Thurman... We talked about this last week. A beautiful woman, maybe not our cup of tea, but we can see she's mm-hmm. a very beautiful woman. But they've really dumbed her down here with the glasses and the hair, like unlike what they did with Halle Berry in Catwoman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, let's just make her clothes a bit frumpy because you can't make Halle Berry unattractive. That's just, it's not possible. Whereas here, Uma Thurman, they kind of have. Um, and meanwhile, while this is going on, she discovers that her boss, Lionel Luther, <laughs> John Glover, who also got the memo of playing this super campy and ridiculous character, uh, is basically trying to sell off this super soldier to the world's evil people because you've got people in, like, Arab clothes and African military gear and there's a US military guy there as well and basically getting some serial killer and connecting tubes to him in a a giant uh, glass tube that says Venom on it with... (laughs) 
<laughs> skull and crossbones. It's very Doctor No, isn't it? Like, um, we create Bane, who this looks like a real comic book. The way he's like stomachs like a like, and he turns into this super soldier. Uh, you know, sell it off to all the the people around the world. John Glover discovers uh, Uma Thurman. Let's just call them by their actors' names. We always do anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he ends up shoving her in a thing and basically killing her because she's all like, oh, I've discovered what you're doing and you'll never work as a chemistry, chemistry teacher no matter what. And then I, I just loved, like, John Glover's line. What does he say? Like, oh, you know, I'm not good at rejection. Oh, yeah. So you know what? You must die! Yes. <laughs> Well, I respect your opinion. Sadly, I'm not very good at rejection. I'm afraid you'll have to die. <laughs> so good again. Like, they get the memo. They know that what movie they're yeah. in. This is why they're so good. Um, and maybe I'll just kind of go here to, apparently, we get the background story of uh, Mr. Freeze here that he was and a two-time Olympic decathlete and a Nobel Peace winner. Um, <laughs> Nobel Prize winner. Is he the Britney Spears of... <laughs> I just love this notion that a two-time decathlete went on to win the Nobel Prize. So, Bruce Jenner, you've got some catching up to do. Um, sorry, Kat- Catherine Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner. What's her name? <laughs> Caitlyn Jenner. Sorry, Caitlyn Jenner. Um, so, we find out that and he, he got, went in an unfortunate freezing accident because his wife has, uh, what is it, McPherson's disease? McGregor's. McGregor's disease, thank you. McPherson's? <laughs> <laughs> El McPherson disease. <laughs> so, that's how we became Mr. Freeze. Um, and then we have one of these weird scenes. And this is, this is, this is where it gets you taken out of the movie, this serious stuff. Because then Alfred just drops a bunch of lines to... Bruce Wayne about, oh, you know, you can do this if you grow up and blah, blah, blah. And we get a flashback of young Bruce Wayne and young Alfred. Did you recognize young Bruce Wayne at all, Colin? No. Should I? Eric Lloyd from the Santa Claus. That's ah. who young Bruce Wayne is. Yeah, that's who he is. Um, and I actually, I might cap it at the actual birth of Poison Ivy. So John Glover's back and he's being all weird and selling on the phone his super soldiers. But then out of the forest comes the amazing actual Poison Ivy um, and looks incredible. Uh, Uma Thurman, wow. And basically we discover that she's got poison lips so she kisses and kills John Glover and she's angry. She's got all these plants around her. Bane apparently works for an hour because had they even met at this point? I don't understand it. <laughs> um... And then we've got our second villain of this movie. And I'm going to cap it there because we have the best scene in the entire movie coming up after this, and I want to talk about that separately. Oh, and she actually looks at the the beaker and it says Wayne Enterprises on it, and for some reason that's going to lead her to Gotham City. I don't even know if that's explained, but cool. Um, So so here's a comment on the Batmobile. The Batmobile does look great, but they've done something in this one even more so than Batman Forever, which they've lit it from the interior which, for a guy that's supposed to operate in the shadows, I don't understand why everything is lit so well. Because this Batmobile is not going to be inconspicuous for very long. Uh, but uh, the whole debate they have over the car, like, this is where... Not not going to defend George Clooney. This <laughs> is the wrong way to play Batman. Like, he has a few moments in here. This is not one of This is why Superman works a little... He's just reading it like George Clooney. Like, there was no attempt from George Clooney's perspective to be Batman here. 
even in a completely different movie like this. And and yeah, the way that chicks dig the car, like it's the fact that he's smiling the whole time. Like I really do want to punch the man. I just have this <laughs> this overwhelming urge to just punch him right in his face, right in his beautiful face. It's I'll just, join you. Oh, we'll both punch him. Um, but yeah, no, it's funny you say that. Like this being a uh, a, a relationship or whatever, like a, a gay love story. I really want to hear the interviews with George Clooney where he talks about that too because I I don't think I ever viewed this. I I saw kind of like in a Top Gun way where you know you could see, especially with all the shots of the butts and the crotch, and then it definitely plays up a little bit when they're both suddenly fighting over girls. Like, how can we have you know been torn apart by a woman of all things, right? (laughs) But there definitely are more moments in here, you know, and especially it makes it a little bit creepier with him sort of being the dad boyfriend here you know but uh no i mean i will say that i think that despite the fact they're both giving pretty bad performances george Clooney and chris o'donnell they look like they at least got along very well like they have some chemistry together even if it is uh you know romantic a little romantic yes exactly (laughs) uh that's why i think alicia silverstone is gonna be so much more problem this movie because she doesn't seem to have chemistry with anybody but i buy that these two guys are two years later like this is where it would have been tough on george clooney's part because you're recasting batman it was easier for val kilmer he was in a movie that had a completely different tone that had no real ties to the first two movies this is a direct sequel to batman forever it is picking up on because of Robin's involvement, it is picking up on the storyline of, you know, now he's taken in this kid and now they've lived together for two years and they've had to work together and this is the result of it. Uh, so, I mean, I give them some credit for what they were able to pull off here despite being in a movie where it shouldn't work. And that's, can I just quickly just jump in really quick because I'll forget this quickly. But I'm um, like, I mean, mm-hmm. when, in a movie called Batman and Robin that you feel should explore this relationship more, it, it kind of feels weird. Um, and yeah. I think a lot of what I've read too is that initially they wanted Batman Forever to be called Batman and Robin, and then this was meant to be Batman Forever because they were going to stylize it with like the number four, Batman Forever. Oh. Um, so apparently they kind of got turned around. And I think kind of that would have made sense because, you know, in Batman Forever, it's more about the discovery of, you know, Robin comes along and kind of joins up and, yeah. you know, let's do that. Whereas for a movie called Batman and Robin, I feel it's just, yeah, it's shoehorned in and it's like, oh, we're going to argue a little bit and just go to couples counselling you two. You'll, you'll get your relationship yeah. back on track. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I get that. Like, I, I think that this was always a little bit hard for me that this was called Batman and Robin because it feels like both of them are sideline characters at times. And what we have of them, it is not the major driving force of the plot. Yes, they have these disagreements. They have this this lover's spat or whatever, <laughs> but it's still just a background part of the movie. Whereas if you're comparing the relationship of Batman and Robin in this to Batman Forever, Batman Forever, the whole story is driven by these two. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that would make total sense. Um, it, it, maybe they should have done that. There you go. We would have, everybody would have loved this movie if it was called <laughs> Batman Forever, wouldn't they have? Um, with the number four, forever. With the number four ever, yes. It sells itself. Uh, so, I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger, just uh, quickly <laughs> talking about, I guess, his casting. Uh, the reason he gets top billing here, I mean, A, George Clooney, this was only his third movie he made, and you know, he'd, he'd only done a few seasons of ER. He was still a massive star, you know, don't get me wrong, but I'm pretty sure Arnold Schwarzenegger at the time he made this movie was the highest paid actor in Hollywood because this was around the time of the $20 million club. He got $25 when, million for this movie. Yeah. 
Exactly, yeah. So, and, and at this point, you had like a handful of actors who had all made $20 million for a movie. Jim Carrey was one. Um, Tom Cruise was another. John Travolta was one of the first members of the $20 million cl- club. Look what happened, you know, but <laughs> that's where we were back here. Mel Gibson was in the $20 million club. So all the big stars at the time. And Schwarzenegger became the first guy to surpass that with Batman and Robin. So it was such a big deal to have him in this movie that he was now the highest paid actor in history at a time period when people already were being paid, you know, obscene amounts of money. Uh, the only other casting that I remember going into this being talked about was uh, um, Sylvester Stallone, he was which would have been the, it was what? Apparently from the interview to Joel Schumacher, I was reading that if he, Schumacher fought for Schwarzenegger and basically almost got to the point where he said, I will not do this movie if Schwarzenegger isn't cast. But if they couldn't get Schwarzenegger, then Stallone was the backup. Yeah, and I think that in a way Stallone would have played this better because Stallone, A, he is a better actor. I mean, I love what we got here. Like, don't get me wrong. My favorite thing about this movie is Arnold Schwarzenegger. But with Stallone, I think this movie gets taken a little bit more seriously. And the the major portion of the audience that hates this will like the movie better because Stallone's not, you know, typically – considered uh, to be a brilliant actor but yet he will have movies where he turns in he got nominated for an oscar for creed he got nominated for rocky i mean you could argue he could have gotten nominated for at least the first rambo movie and you know several others copland but um at this period stallone was looking to transition into serious roles and it's funny that uh he was so upset that he didn't get this movie because that's one of the, the the only things that's come out since then it's not often that an actor will miss out on a role and even discuss it they'll usually play oh no i was never really in discussions for that even if they were but salone has always said yeah the biggest disappointment was that i didn't get like i was crushed that i didn't get batman and robin like i wanted that role so bad and he loses out on batman and robin then he takes copland which really is what got him taken seriously as an actor again so it, it worked out, obviously, in the long run for Stallone because then he became an Academy Award nominee, you know, uh, years later after this. But uh, I would have loved to have seen what he could have done, even though it would have completely changed the movie. Um, but Arnold Schwarzenegger, right away, like like you said, the one-liners, even when the one-liners are bad, he makes them good. Like, that's, yes. that's the brilliance of Schwarzenegger. And he is not playing Mr. Freeze. This role is when, – when he's not giving just bad puns, sometimes when it's just like a really over-the-top one-liner – it feels like the Mr. Freeze from the comics. But yet Arnold Schwarzenegger just makes it a Schwarzenegger thing. And like that's amazing with this movie. The the weirdest line though that he gives is there's only one thing in this universe that is an absolute. Yeah. Everything freezes. Like that is a Mr. Freeze line, but I'm thinking doesn't this movie tell us otherwise? Aren't there a whole <laughs> lot of things that don't freeze in this movie? Yeah. I mean Fire the sun. <laughs> yep. Yep. Batman's little uh, little bat symbol things that can defrost everything. The laser that heats up Robin's bath. I mean, Sand. <laughs> it's coarse and rough and irritating. Sand, it gets yes. everywhere. <laughs> the only uh, absolutely universe is everything freezes. Um, <laughs> but he's got the great one lines right away. And yes, I I can't even tell you how many times. I, in regular everyday life, will just do the what killed the dinosaurs, the Ice Age. (laughs) It's just always been the greatest one-liner for me, even though I don't think most people remember it as well. It's just, it's so so ridiculous. And the fact that he's blasting a freaking dinosaur. (laughs) 
this is the thing with Arnold, though. Like, you talk about his performance. Like, Clooney phones it in. This is my problem with Clooney's Batman yeah. to me. Clooney just does not, like, he doesn't deliver a Clooney performance. Like, he just seems bored in this movie. Whereas Schwarzenegger is having so much fun in this movie. Yeah. And that that's very similar to Batman Forever. Like, Batman Forever, of those original quadrilogy, is my favorite one of those movies. Like, I... I, I I'm not somebody who, who – oh, it's just because I grew up on Batman Forever because I grew up on the original Batman as well. I, I really don't like Batman Returns. I cons- I consider Batman Returns to be a boring movie for the most part. But the first Batman movie, it is a great movie. But yet I'll still defend Batman Forever. But Batman Forever still has people phoning in their performance. Val Kilmer in a lot of ways phones in his performance in Batman Forever. And I like Val Kilmer as Batman. But – the villains always have a blast in these movies. That's why everybody remembers the villains. And it's it's I think that the 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 whole uh appreciation for Batman villains comes out of the movies more than it comes out of the comics. Because what does everybody remember about the first Batman movie? Jack Nicholson is the Joker. What does everybody remember about Batman Returns? Michelle Pfeiffer is Catwoman. What does everybody remember out of Batman Forever? Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones. What does everybody remember out of this? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Even though he's the most criticized thing about the movie, everybody remembers him. I mean, the the people who they cast to play these roles, I almost wish they could find the same enthusiasm from the heroes because we don't get that out of Alicia Silverstone or Chris O'Donnell or even Nicole Kidman in the previous movie. A lot of these people look really bored. Um, Schwarzenegger has a blast in this movie. Now, the the blades coming out of the boots, (laughs) I mean, even as young, dumb kids – you had to be like me. You had to immediately be questioning, thinking, what was the original purpose they designed this? Like, was, yeah. was this his mind one day? Is like, what if one day there's a man? Because Mr. Freeze has just been introduced. It's not like they knew they were going to fight Mr. Freeze. Alfred says to them, oh, there's a new – or Commissioner Gordon says to them, a new man who's calling himself Mr. Freeze. And Batman's like, Mr. Freeze, huh? <laughs> they, they never encountered him before. Like – was in the back of his mind, like, what if one day a guy has a freeze gun and he turns <laughs> whole museum into an ice rink and we're fighting off the hockey team from hell? What are we going to do? I got it, Batman. Blades. Blades out of the boots. Yes, Robin. That's why you're here. That's Holy why smokes, Robin. That's clever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Holy ice blades, Batman. <laughs> That's the solution. <laughs> Other things I can forgive, like the laser that's going to come up in the pool, which I love that Mr. Freeze freezes everything in the whole you know neighborhood. But the only thing that doesn't freeze is this one pool that's sitting on a – what is the pool doing there? Like why is there know. a small random pool on the roof or the back alley of a building wherever they are? But like the laser to, to frost it, you can use a laser for many things. Okay, it makes sense. Blades. I don't know why they're there, but it presents such a ridiculous visual that you have to laugh and appreciate it. And there is no way, like, if people would just get over, you know, the idea that this movie is unintentionally bad and they realize it was meant to be this way, you do not have blades coming out of a bat suit and not mean it to be a bit of a joke. Like, it, yeah. this was supposed to be the Adam West series. And that's why I appreciate it. Because I love this sequence with the 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 hockey <laughs> team from hell and the, the blades coming out of the boots. It's just, it's totally ridiculous and totally great. Uh, the freeze gun really makes no sense. I mean, 
it, it freezes things instantly when it touches it, but then those things become more brittle. But yet Mr. Freeze uses this gun and he drops from the sky and nothing breaks beneath him. He can form tunnels of ice. Like if you saw him adjusting dials, it might have helped, but he doesn't do anything. I don't understand it. Um, maybe a secondary brilliant Arnold Schwarzenegger line when he freezes Robin, which I also love that he freezes Robin in midair and somehow Robin continues to be levitated in midair <laughs> while he's frozen. <laughs> there's nothing that shows that there's like a block of ice holding him up or anything. He's just levitated there still with that stupid look on his face. And you just want to punch. Uh, <laughs> and he would shatter too. punch him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> But uh, when he does that, and then Schwarzenegger says, Stay cool, bud boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, how can you not love this, people? It's so great. Um, and, and he gives, like, this little wave to Batman, too. Like, just how yeah. much fun. Because I don't think Schwarzenegger has ever had this much fun in a movie. Because Schwarzenegger, you look at Kindergarten Cop, right? Which we're going to be covering that later this year. Kindergarten Cop, he's clearly having a good time. But... This is like another level of good time for Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like I would love to hear Schwarzenegger talk about this movie today because he's the one guy who I think other than Uma Thurman got the memo of what this movie's supposed to be. You know, he has the over the top of lines. It almost feels like he's improvising these on the spot because some of them are just bad and they're like, who wrote this? You know, Akiva Goldsman? <laughs> like some of these lines are really bad, but yet Schwarzenegger just he's having so much fun that you believe he's just coming up with this stuff. Like and it suits him totally. If it wasn't Arnold, if it was Sylvester Stallone in this movie, we would have about eighty thousand less puns in this movie, but it would not be nearly as quotable. Like I'm going through the IMDb quotes for this movie, and ninety percent of them are Mr. Freeze. That's why he's great in this movie. Um, now let's move on to uh, Uma Thurman. Absolutely agree with you, hundred percent. Like she is so good in this movie, and it, it's not just me. I remember. For whatever reason, I distinctly remember reading a review when this came out. Maybe it was the day it came out, and it's like, oh, there's a review of Batman here in the newspaper. Okay, I got to read this, right? And reading the review, and it was very negative. It gave it like two stars or a star and a half or something like that. And it criticized actors in the movie. And I remember it saying, Uma Thurman is not a good actress. The only thing we have learned is that it takes a director as good as Quentin Tarantino to get a good performance out of Uma Thurman. And then it had like dot, dot, dot. And it said, Uma Thurman now has Joel Schumacher to add to the list of directors <laughs> that can get good performance out of her. <laughs> and, and that's the great thing about this movie is like, say whatever you want about the tone Joel Schumacher gave to this movie. Uma Thurman is not a great actress. She is usually very lifeless. And the movie uh, uh, I appreciate her most in is Gattaca because Gattaca is, I think I ranked it in my top 10 favorite movies of all time. She gives a great performance in that movie because it's supposed to be a movie about people who are artificially engineered. Like she is just lifeless most of the time. And yet she has so much life in this movie. And this is why I say that it depends on what Batman you're reading, whether you want to say this is the way Batman should be or not. Because from everything I remember, this is exactly the way Poison Ivy is. It is exactly the way her origin is. The visual look of Poison Ivy, this is the way it should be. Like, I love how much they nail Poison Ivy in this movie. Um, and, and John Glover, too. Like, he yeah. is the most over-the-top person in this movie. Like, it is so great to listen to deliver every line. Like, the, uh, you know, uh, I respect your opinion. I'm afraid you'll have to die. <laughs> it's just so <laughs> over-the-top. And the look on his face all the time is just brilliant. Um 
the venom thing i wrote the same thing down <laughs> not only does it have a giant beaker that says big letters venom on it he even says you know my secret serum which i have codenamed venom <laughs> venom is now <laughs> um, and I mean, Bane really did kill the idea of Bane. Like, Bane is a brilliant character. Like, you talked about Bane being introduced in the comics. The storyline we get in Batman uh, or The Dark Knight Rises is what Bane was known for even at this point in 1997. He was the guy who broke Batman, like, literally broke Batman. And he wasn't just this mindless brute. And when we get around to The Dark Knight Rises – Years later, and I think it was David Goyer who brought up to Christopher Nolan, you know who would be a really good villain? Bane. Christopher Nolan laughed. He's like, I am not using Bane because he visualized this. Like, it's sad that Bane wasn't as well known, maybe because he was introduced around the end of the Batman animated series. And we never really got as much Bane as we did the other characters. So people just weren't familiar. This is what people thought Bane was for all these years. This is an idiotic Bane. And yet still it's kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) The lady. I like in here that are so ridiculous and and yet it is the opposite of what bane should be but yet uh, still it's fun in this movie um john glover is is this where jurassic world fallen kingdom got their plot from this is exactly the same thing as fallen kingdom (laughs) i've created this super beast that i'm gonna sell to you (laughs) and it's open to the highest bidder and he sells it, it is exactly fallen kingdom um, that's why I like Fallen Kingdom so much because I love yeah. Batman and Robin like I can see it's a dumb movie but I just enjoy it for what it is uh, the flashback of Mr. Freeze getting created I mean first the, the comically bad fall that Arnold Schwarzenegger takes yo <laughs> <laughs> but it is made even better by the fact that there there is a guardrail there on the side of this platform and even on the front there is a guardrail pressed up against the wall but nothing on the one section where you would need a guardrail to present yourself from falling into this freezing liquid there's guardrails just not there like it's so great and the <laughs> slow I love it it's just that Joel Schumacher if he didn't know he was making a bad movie, he would not have put a guardrail in every spot but where he was. Like, it, look at it. Look at it close up. It is so funny and it was so intentional they did that. Um, and Alfred, j- just all around, Alfred's great in this movie. I have so many great moments here. Like, And even – you want to talk about where they get the idea for stuff. George Clooney had said uh, when he was promoting this movie, it was my idea – to not have Batman brooding about his parents anymore. It's like, I said, he's a 38-year-old man. It's time for, time for him to stop crying about his parents being dead. And in a way, I think he's right. Now, unfortunately, that robbed Batman, that robbed George Clooney of having anything really dramatically to work with in this movie. They kind of get it here when they have the scene of him tripping and Alfred helping him up, which, by the way, where did Batman Begins get the whole idea of Alfred? Why do we fall so we yep. can learn to pick ourselves back up? They got it from Batman and Robin, people. There you go. Batman and Robin <laughs> influencing movies. Literally saw him fall and Alfred pick him back up. And, and I wish they had gone a little bit further. But at the same time, I keep saying, like, I wish they had done this and it would have made for a better movie. But, like, I love that this is a bad movie. So I, I don't I don't hate them for not doing it. Um, and yet the, the poison ivy emerging, like what a visual, like say what you want about Joel Schumacher, but like he knows how to pull off a shot, her rising up the plants all around her, the lighting, the costume, the Uma Thurman, like everything. It's just <laughs> the all, Uma Thurman. <laughs> they, no, and like, let's be honest. Like Joel Schumacher is an openly gay man. It shows when you watch his movies. Yeah. <laughs> it very yeah. much shows. 
he knows how to make Uma Thurman look like a very sexy woman. And again, we have said we are not into Uma Thurman. She works in this movie. Well, Credit Joel to Joel Schumacher. Joel Schumacher said he apparently cast her because he saw her on like you know People magazine or something, and he basically said like she is the most beautiful woman in the world. I need to cast her now. Again, I I don't agree with that. 1997, the most beautiful woman in the world, not Uma Thurman. Again, beautiful woman, not what I'm into. Doesn't mean yeah. other people aren't. But I like I was so upset. I had pictures of her on my wall. I I I don't draw, but I was drawing Poison Ivy in 1990 <laughs> as a ten year old, like stick figures or something like that. I don't know. But like I, she was one of my very first crushes, having seen this movie because I just I loved her. I was so yeah. into Poison Ivy. Yeah, good job, Joel Schumacher. Like <laughs> you know what you're yeah. doing. Damn straight. <laughs> Riding the other side of the fence, maybe I don't know. <laughs> well, he, he's not da- he's not damn straight, but he his ideas here help the damn straight with this movie. Yeah. Um, now I do have to get a laugh out of the fact that she knows her powers. Like usually, people discover their powers when they come yeah. out. <laughs> she comes out and she's like, "My lips are poison." After she kisses him, like, did you just feel that? I feel the poison in my lips. I can kill men with this. <laughs> She hasn't looked in a mirror yet, and she just knows. It's just, it's awesome. Having uh, seen Gigli a week ago, I also know what lips are meant to be a reference to. So, yes. you know, what else is poison? Um, and there you go. This is a gay love story. Don't kiss a girl. That's poisonous. Only kiss Exactly. Poison. It's the exact opposite of Gigli. Like, let's turn lesbians straight. Like, no. Like, no, never kiss a woman if you're a man. Only kiss That's men. Right. That's why you needed a gay woman to direct Gigli, because you got a gay yeah. man to direct Batman, and they got gay love right, okay? <laughs> but um, another thing that's really funny with um, the, the Poison Ivy introduction here uh, is the fact she talks about, like, rescuing plants from extinction. <laughs> plants on the verge of extinction? <laughs> she's, she's Dr. Hammond from Jurassic Park. Remember how he, like, somehow yeah. gets plants from extinction that no one ever talks about that makes no sense? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, of course, she has to perfectly cap this introduction by it's all about saving the world it's all about saving the plants so she spills a bunch of flammable stuff on the ground and burns this plant infested lab to the ground <laughs> that poison ivy love it what's her one line it's a jungle in here like, yeah that's so good <laughs> but which is and this is the thing with uma thurman again gets a memo and like you always remember the one-liners from Arnold Schwarzenegger in this movie, but like she does some great one. Like it's a jungle in here. Like it's just the way she delivers it is just fun. Like ah, oh, so good. Speaking of fun, the best scene in this entire movie. <laughs> we we pan on the outside of a giant ice cream factory, condemned. You know, don't they? <laughs> Brilliant! We've got a scene of I Mr. White Christmas. I Mr. And then you see Arnold Schwarzenegger in polar bear slippers with a cigar in his mouth, directing his minions. Sing, sing, everyone, sing it! <laughs> oh, I love this scene. It's so They're good. Like, oh, Mr. White Christmas. Sing it. <laughs> Sing it, everyone! Sing it! And then he just like goes, ah! And he like puts his hands down. Um, fun trivia fact about the cigar, because I'm sure everybody wants to know. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger was visited by his friend John Bon Jovi uh, during the filming of this movie, who gave him cigars, and Arnold Schwarzenegger did not want to put them away, so he suggested he has a cigar in this scene. So um, there you go. Wouldn't the cigar melt him? 
Like, it's fire, right? I thought the same thing to myself. I'm like, wouldn't the fire alone of him lighting that cigar actually <laughs> kill him? Like, we saw him step out into the sunlight in a frozen room and he's gasping for air. Like, it doesn't really make sense. Uh, we have the esteemed Vivica Fox uh, as Miss Behaven. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't Why? tell me that Schumacher know the movie he was making why is that not uh ever uttered until they see the credits like that's a bond name that should be like that's a like you know a... it's strawberry fields all over again yeah um and you know she's trying to flirt with mr freeze and he's all like no i only belong to my beloved uh talk about a cold shoulder uh, <laughs> it's even like the side characters get this movie like it's just so funny um this is where we see, you know, his wife frozen. And, of course, you know, he has to get to this in a vault behind a frozen dinner. Uh- <laughs> 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 he keeps her behind a Salisbury steak meal. Like, is that love or what? <laughs> I miss the white Christmas. I miss the snow. <laughs> never been a thing a gif of Arnold Schwarzenegger directing a bunch of minions to what is that from like is that from the Rudolph yes. movie no it's one of those Christmas specials uh it might have been like Santa Claus coming to town or or Jack Frost I think it might be Jack Frost right okay I've, I've never seen any of them I know they're like a big deal in this part of the world over here but I don't think it ever really reached Australia um uh, then we introduce Colin's favorite character Alicia Silverstone look I'm sorry like <sighs> I get why she's annoying. I've never, I've just nothing Delicia Silverstone. I've kind of only seen Blast from the Past. I've never actually seen Clueless. Um, but she, like, I think she's gorgeous in this movie. She looks amazing. Um, does she? I think she does. It, Maybe it's, okay. the, it's the schoolgirl outfit. I don't know. Uh, tell, tell me, <laughs> I'm not the only one who sees this. Does she not have the worst fake tan, like, like tan in a can that you've ever seen in this movie? Like, it's always been distracting to me, this tan in a can she's got on when nobody else in the movie is tanned. I can't say I see it. I'm not really looking at a skin, so... Um... <laughs> you prefer to look at the clothes? <laughs> well, she's in a schoolgirl outfit. Uh, There's skin <laughs> visible below that schoolgirl outfit. Why is she wearing a school... She's been on a plane from London to getting to... And she's yeah. still wearing a school... And, and, like, I love this whole notion of, like, oh, my dear ne- niece, like, you know, your school in London... Why does she have a British accent? Why is she American? Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, does Alfred have a weird obsession with his sister in this movie? Because, like... He's got a modeling a... picture of her on his desk. I have a sister. We're not super close, but I love my sister. But uh, no offense to myself, I've never had a photo of her on my desk. Yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> and and fun fact, that's Gloria Stewart in that photo. That's old lady from Titanic. Did you know that? Really? There you go. I... Is it also weird that his sister is so old? Like, that picture yes! from, what, the 40s? Like, when did she have Alicia Silverstone when she was 92? I don't get that either, because how old's Alfred? Like, he's in his 70s, surely. He's got his so, like, 70s, yeah. Even if, say, like, he's got a very young sister, she was 20 years younger than him, which is possible, it happens. So that would make her 50, at you know, and like she's died, so and Alicia Silverstone's, what, like, 18, so she had to be in at least mid to late 30s when she had Alicia Silverstone. Sure, so, it's possible, her. but... You Even know. more because the picture he has on his desk, she's a full-grown woman, and it's not just as a black and white picture, which means it has to be from at least the four, the fifties. But like that is a forties or fifties hairstyle, which means she was born probably in the thirties. So she's probably herself in her sixties. Like, oh, 
Yeah, and and so if I'm not mistaken, too, the original Batgirl is actually Commissioner Gordon's daughter. Yeah, she's Barbara Gordon, which right. I think that's the other frustration I have in this movie. It's not just Alicia Silverstone. There was no need to make this Batgirl, or, or I don't think there was a need to make it, you know, uh, Alfred's niece or whatever you want. This was just, let's put another character in there so we could sell an action figure to girls. That's basically the whole reason Batgirl's in this movie. But, like, Batgirl's character is one of the best characters in all of DC, not like of all the spinoff characters, like, oh, she's up there with, you know, Kid Flash and uh, Supergirl and stuff like that. Like, I probably have read as much Batgirl in the last five years as I've read Superman. Like, that's how good Batgirl is as a comic. And isn't it the new one now? Isn't it Ruby Rose or something like that? Like, oh, that's is that Batman, Bat- yeah. Oh, is there a difference between Batwoman and Batgirl? Like, seriously? That's yeah. a serious question. I'm not being yes. dick. Like... <laughs> Yeah, no, Batwoman has no connection to Commissioner Gordon, and she's she, she is a lesbian. Uh, that's the difference. Good for her. Bar- Barbara Gordon has, like, a really dramatic story, too, you know, involving the Joker. I won't get into it because they're, they're if Joss Whedon's still working on it or somebody else, I don't know, they're going to have a movie come out. But it, it will be one of the most epic comic movies you've ever seen if they actually do the Batgirl movie. The thing that also I find interesting about this movie, which... I mean, maybe it doesn't deserve the criticism because I think it kind of works in this movie. You know, you think about Spider-Man 3, um, you know, Dark Knight, right? Some of these movies that have too many villains and people complain about it, right? Um, this has a lot of villains. There's two, three, if you include Bane. And then you've got the introduction of Batgirl. Like, there's a lot going on in this movie. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really get complaints. Though, but, like, as much as I don't mind Alicia Silverstone, I think she's attractive and all that sort of stuff. But, like, Batgirl does feel very out of place in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, because, I mean, she's literally introduced, like, five minutes from the end or whatever it is. Um, I read a lot of that had to do with the fact that they were going to have more of her in the movie, but apparently Alicia Silverstone put on weight during the filming of this so she couldn't fit in the suit, so therefore they couldn't do the scenes, and apparently, like, the media, like, just ripped her a new one and went off at her and called her fat and everything, and Joel Schumacher had to come out and defend her. That, that seems very unlikely, too, though, because it's not like movies are filmed in sequence. They would have filmed... Most of the scenes, she's only got the, the, the like, unless they rewrote the whole movie at, at halfway through it when she gained weight, she's only got the end sequence. She's in the Batgirl suit. So that almost seems like it's kind of twisted stories around. There's nothing that actually makes sense about that. Well, there were apparently were definitely media stories, though, like really ripping into her for her weight, at least somewhere, because like, Joel Schumacher had to come out in an interview and basically say, like, hey, like, leave her alone. Like, this isn't very nice. Um, but, like, this is this is a, a, the odd plot point, too, not only around, like, oh, hey, he's Batgirl. And, like, again, it's this is where Robin and Batman are clearly gay, because you get this, like, immediate moment of Robin, like, oh, please tell me you're here for me. Like, flirt, flirt, flirt. And then that's yeah. it. They don't flirt at all. Like, should yeah. these two hook up? Like, I feel these two should hook up. Like, that makes sense. <laughs> but literally, no. Like, within the rest of this movie, there's nothing. <laughs> like, it's so weird. And, like, this, you know you're watching a movie from 1997, the fact that Chris O'Donnell and Alicia Silverstone are basically two stars of it. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it's so 90s. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Um, there's, mate, is that our answer to uh, another who would be a better Christmas Jones or a worse Christmas Jones? Uh, Alicia Silverstone. Did we bring her name up in Double Oz? No, but I, she. I will. I would take Denise Richards in a Bond movie over Alicia Silverstone. <laughs> there you go. There we go. Um, this weird subplot, which I don't think ever makes sense, of Alfred trying to find his brother Wilfred. Of course, his brother's called Wilfred. Wilfred and Alfred. <laughs> Alfred like, Wilfred. The most British snooty names ever. <laughs> <laughs> So he's trying. Is Clifford the third. <laughs> so is he trying to find his brother because he's dying and he wants to pass on the Batman secret? So yeah, 
Is that what it's meant to be? Yeah. Okay. It's really poorly told, but I think that well, that's obviously what it's supposed to be because the disc he has is basically saying my most trusted secret, and it's the Batman and Robin logo. And it's weird that all these images that he looks up on this computer just randomly have an arrow. Like, there's Wilfred. There he is again. There he is again. <laughs> like, why does it need a clip art arrow pointing at him? Um, and very 90s. I know you've talked about it a lot, that why do all 90s computers have to go to... Yeah. Alicia Silverstone escapes because we've got to have this story that she's actually a bit of a rebel, that she's on a motorbike. Okay. Meanwhile, there's a benefit press conference that uh, Bruce Wayne is going to be redoing the new telescope. Poison Ivy sneaks in and basically is like, you've destroyed our funding and all the plants are going to rise up and kill you. And Bruce Wayne is like, ha ha, you're crazy. People come first. Basically, this is the Greta Thunberg of 1997. Yeah. <laughs> um, we meet Elle McPherson for the first time. Uh, had she been in Friends at this point or was this like one of her first acting roles? Who? Elle McPherson. Oh, was she on Friends? I didn't know. I mean, uh, she had like I, a is... five episode arc as Joey's girlfriend and roommate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I think that she, she only done a few movies. Period in her entire life. So I, I don't think she ever was really known as an actress, was she? There's, I mean, there's a reason behind that. Yeah, you're right. Like, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> in all seriousness, like she's not the worst model to ever act. She's okay, no. um, but. Yeah, she so doesn't she, need to no, be in this movie. No, she uh, 1997, so she was in this before Friends. Because, I mean, Elle McPherson, Australian, very famous Australian. You know, she was a huge deal in the 90s, like one of our biggest exports. And I remember when she was in Friends, it was like, cause, you know, Friends was the biggest TV show in the world at that point. Elle McPherson is going to be in Friends. It was a huge story in Australia. Um, but so she'd been in, gosh, five movies before this. Uh, That's <laughs> so, so there you weird, go. Because, like, you think about the other actresses, that, that, well, models that turn to actresses, and her name never even comes up. Like, it's funny, outside of this movie, I, I, like, I know she'd done something, but I would struggle to think of her in anything. But, like, she was a seasoned actress. She'd probably done more movies than Alicia Silverstone at this point. Probably. <laughs> Better looking than Alicia Silverstone? Probably, yes. yes. <laughs> uh, known as The Body. I mean, she actually, um, I remember the Sydney Olympics closing ceremony, they legitimately had a float of her just standing on a float because they were like, oh, McPherson, <laughs> like our most famous model, here she is. And she just literally did, remember how like, was it Giselle did that in the Rio Olympics? She like walked out mm-hmm. and did like a, you know, that was a similar thing that they did in the Sydney Olympics. It was like, hey, here's Elle McPherson, like one of the most famous Australians you can have at that point in time. So um, yeah, and like she's, what's the point of her in this movie? Like, <sighs> Bruce Wayne needed a beard to pretend that he's straight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically all she is. <laughs> and why is everyone wearing black and is all dark and she's in this bright pink dress? <laughs> um, That's a pantsuit, actually. Anyway, um... So, so, yeah, Poison Ivy, I'm going to kill you all. And yet they still invite her to the, <laughs> the benefit, okay? Uh, Mr. Freeze is watching a wedding movie. He's crying, sort of. A guy interrupts, like, Boss, you never guess where the diamond's going to be. <laughs> and I hate it when people talk in the movie. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> um, this leads to the benefit where it's like Cirque du Soleil. You've got old men bidding on women. Um, 
And the, the everything wrong with sex trafficking market. That's what it is. <laughs> the everything wrong with video actually points out a very good point. Why are each of these men increasing their bids? They're all bidding for different women. So like yeah, one's exactly. like ten thousand for the woman with that one. Twenty thousand. Like you literally could all bid five dollars for each of the women because no one's outbidding you. Um, this this leads to the sexiest monkey dance ever uh, because. I love how everyone turns and is like, ooh, sexy monkey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to which Uma Thurman, in sexy poison ivy suit, wow, she comes out of it. She entrances everyone in the crowd. I love how five minutes later they're going to say, like, Anna's like, pheromones, it makes women love you. Uh, men love you. And they, all the women in this crowd are, like, fully in love with her too at this yeah. moment. Um, It's Jamie's dream entrance. She falls into, like, a, a, the arms of buff shirtless men as she enters the crowd um and i just everyone just lets her on stage like who are you i'm poison poison ivy <laughs> to which she's she trying to heparin there too yeah. poison, poison, ivy. poison ivy um and then we get one of the scenes that is like bagged out the most in this entire movie is when Batman and Robin are bidding over her like a million two million you don't have two million no but i will <laughs> i will borrow it from you <laughs> <laughs> to which then Batman pulls out seven million. Ka-ching! Never leave the hot cave without it. It's a bat credit card. Uh, <laughs> Did you see the expiry date? <laughs> forever. <laughs> <laughs> Again, everyone rips into this so badly, but this is just so hilarious that he would literally have a bat credit card. <laughs> Appreciate this movie for how dumb it is. It's brilliant. With the $7 um, million dollar limit on it. <laughs> he's Bruce Wayne. He's a billionaire. Why doesn't he have like a $7 billion? Arnie shows up. Have we, have we mentioned Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze's tank with the big spikes on it? <laughs> Crashes in the... Is this where he's like, All right, everyone. Chill. Chill. <laughs> Everyone, like, basically, you know, comes in with the henchmen. Uh, there's a really bad moment where Batman kicks one of the henchmen and he's about a metre away from their face and yet somehow he still collapses. Yeah. It's, like, bad choreography. Uh, the really bad line when uh, that guy, like, punches through the tray. And what does Batman say? Like, good night. Uh, <laughs> again, like, I see your point before where you said, like, George Clooney isn't Batman. He's just George Clooney. He's just yeah. George Clooney there. Like... He doesn't put on like the the voice. Like people criticize Christian Bale for maybe having a bit too much of a throat cancer voice, but like doesn't even Val Kilmer and Michael Keaton do a bit of the I'm Batman? Like yeah, do kind of a whispery thing. Yeah, George Clooney doesn't. He's just like I'm George Clooney. Like ha ha. Like good night. He's he's got like Roger Moore. Like it's just kind of he just delivers it. There we go. George Clooney, 1990s Roger Moore. We found it. Um, Freeze and Uma Thurman. Well, Poison Ivy kind of team up and he's you know immune to her chance again just these two are fantastic together because again they get the movie they get how silly they're meant to be like when when poison ivy blows the dust on freeze kind of she's got that look on her face like oh you're immune to it like and it just it's just so campy and ridiculous but it just it works um oh it's so good he steals the diamonds because that's what he's there for um we get another silly one-liner, but it's a great one-liner of uh, Poison Ivy to Bane in the monkey suit. Enough monkey business. Uh, 
so good. We get this chase that makes no sense, but it's incredible oh. because Gotham City is obsessed with giant statues. Yeah. <laughs> so Mr. Freeze's tank and his henchmen can drive down this arm. Batman can too. Robin won't make the jump, apparently. I would assume he could because his bike is more agile over a jump, but... Uh-huh. Like... The whole movie is painted out that Robin is kind of, oh, I'm going to be a bit of a dick and I'm not going to listen to authority. I think Batman's a bit of a dick to Robin in most of this movie. Absolutely. He's, he's just basically like, you're not going to make the jump. I'm going to disable your bike. Like, that's basically what happens. And Robin nearly dies here because he just happens to stop at the end of the figure and then we get a no. Like, I don't think it's a no. I think it was an ah. Oh, oh, <laughs> whatever. It may as well be that. Um... And this all leads to Batman capturing Freeze, which is done really poorly. Like, you don't really get it because, like, Batman just knocks out Freeze. And then the next minute, yeah, you're back in the Batcave. It's kind of like, um, what? Like, should we not see a scene of him like, here you go, Commissioner Gordon, I captured him for him. Let's lock away and throw the key. Like, (laughs) there needs to be a scene there because the next minute you've just got another lover's quarrel between these two. Um, Alfred burns a disc. Um... Robin finds Batgirl escaping. Um, Mr. Freeze is in a freezer into Arkham Asylum, which isn't plugged in. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's a great visual. Like, it's a very Hannibal kind of... It's it's no pun intended. Literally no pun intended. It's a cool visual. It just makes no sense. Um, And then you get these guards, like, letting him out. And he's all like, I'm going to kill you. And then he just can't breathe because he's out of the freezer room. So, okay. Um, Poison Ivy gets a hideout where she's stealing it from, like, neon weird people, like, 90s rave scene. Uh, and then she plants all these seeds and, you know, again, she gets this movie, Uber Thurman. Can we keep pointing that out? Like, she's just so campy yeah. and over the top. She's got a villain lair. It's great. I'm just going to lump a lot of these scenes in here together because these are some of the most pointless scenes in the movie. Um, Elle McPherson proposes to George Clooney and she, some, he says, like, I'm not the marrying kind because I'm gay. Uh, <laughs> This is where we need the Gigli scene. Like, you're not my type. Why aren't you my type? Because of your vagina. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that he sounds like Catherine Hepburn now, too. <laughs> Everyone ends up being Catherine Hepburn. Um, we had the most pointless sequence in this movie. I, I just, I never liked the motorbike chase sequence. Um, Coolio is there, because why not? Future Scarecrow, everyone. Um, I do really like the music sequence in this uh, this this scene though that's the one bit i do like about it. this was like the one track on the soundtrack i used to listen to all the time Very um, I, too. yeah uh mona by underworld um i use this song in one of the kill film movies there's a fun fact uh, <laughs> i'm sure you were wondering where you had heard that before colin uh, <laughs> but uh i mean we get a, another cheesy one line again chris o'donnell just cannot deliver the one-liners you know so this is where you hang out uh, <laughs> like it's I don't get this scene. Like, is it to sell Batgirl as a badass because she's in a motorbike? Like, this is just really bad 90s movie trying to oversell a toughness of a female. Like, this is just, it's bad. It's not even just a female because they really did the same thing with Robin in, in Batman Forever. Like, literally the same thing. I ride motorcycles, too. I got an earring. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
I do kung fu laundry. But like the thing that, <laughs> yeah. But like later on though, like I think like you just got some of those really over the top lines of like you know I'll save you, no I'll save you. Like oh no, the woman's saving the man, and then the, what does he say? Like oh you're really smart for a little girl, and she's like oh okay little boy. Like it's just it's just it's just done too badly. But yeah, cool. They have a Sexual fight. Banter. Yeah. They have, again, like, we're meant to believe these two are going to hook up, but then we find out that she's been saving all this money because I want to free Alfred because he's a slave. It's a bad being a butler. And then George Clooney steps in and is basically like, she's right. Alfred is dying, which just comes out of nowhere. Okay. Like, how does it (laughs) go? Like, again, I realize we've had a couple of scenes of Alfred coughing and holding in a fart, but... (laughs) Um, and then Ivy breaks out freeze from Arkham. We get a cool little shot of, you know, what is it? The room of prisons clothes. And you see the Riddler outfit and the two faces outfit. Apparently they wanted to have a cameo from them in this movie originally, but it never happened. Um, somehow freeze and Ivy survived jumping into water from an incredibly big height. Um, and then we get another Alfred and, Bruce Wayne scene where he has a flashback of them laying flowers at a grave and maybe I'll just end it there as we're up to the benefit, aren't we? Or something. No, we're up yeah. to the... Oh, there's a lot of stuff. This is kind of like a bit of a bland stuff in the movie. We're about to have Batman and Robin in Freezer's cave. That's right. Um, I mean, there's nothing else to add that I'm Mr. White Christmas. Like, that is ah. so... <laughs> <laughs> sing! Uh... Sing! <laughs> Do it! Dun, dun. <laughs> Still my favorite scene in the movie. I'm so glad I'm not alone with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh man, Alicia Silverstone is terrible. <laughs> yes, I find Chris O'Donnell annoying, but like at least he has some acting ability. I'm not gonna say Alicia Silverstone's a bad actress, because I mean clueless, I definitely was not the demographic for that movie, but I am aware that, you know girls love that movie it's made for them so you know fine and i'm sure it's good for what it is and she i guess plays that role well but is she really been in anything else where she isn't just awful like the last uncle alfred i mean blast from the past okay she's good in blast from the past but um when when she's check out the motorcycle and it's like oh maybe i'll take you for a ride no you will certainly not she goes, don't worry uncle alfred i'm terrified of these things it's like a precocious little child who's like i'm an actress <laughs> i'm arnold palmer i'm arnold palmer <laughs> <She's> just... <laughs> just, there is nothing that comes out of her mouth that even sounds natural in this movie and then like is it go just please look at the scene the best one is the one before she goes to the bike race where she's got the bathrobe on and she's talking to alfred and she's in the dark and her fake tan is like glowing like <laughs> it looks so bad and nobody else has in this movie i don't know why she has she's coming from england it's not like they get sun there anyways come on and yeah why is she not with a british accent like is is his sister from america like his brother is in england you know he's from england his sister is from the 40s i mean <laughs> they still even in america they had british accents then so <laughs> she should have a british accent um and how does she remember her mom like how long has the mom been dead uh, she's been at this school for how many years they even say uh a few sure and it's, it's like the most fake british like what is it like oxbridge like a combination yeah. of Ox- <laughs> Oxford and Cambridge. Like, why do you need yeah, to do exactly. that? Just call it Oxford or Cambridge. And as if she- I'm sorry. I love Alicia Silverstone, sort of, more than you. But I'm sorry. She's not going to those schools. 
No, exactly. Yeah, this is like Denise Richards as the yes. rocket side. No offense. No <laughs> offense. I'm not trying to be mean, but come on, we all see it. Yeah. Uh, I love when uh, they have the telescope ceremony, whatever it is, when Poison Ivy's on her way there, and she's putting on a disguise wig, which is the exact same color as they, she already has. Yes. <laughs> Like, I don't understand, because it's not like, oh, they're going to recognize her as the girl that nobody ever knew who apparently died in that fire. Like, she doesn't need to disguise herself. She's going to come out as Poison Ivy later. The Poison Ivy still has a mask. She's got a different style. Like, I'm going to put on a shorter red wig. (laughs) Nobody will know who I am. World's worst disguise. And then Bane with his chauffeur's hat on. <laughs> and it's just yes, I know where to go. Like, oh, like, Bane, step on it, and he goes, step. He's <laughs> <laughs> just caveman. <laughs> Which I'm gonna flash forward to the, the layer scene too with uh, the Blacklight Mafia or whatever those guys are supposed to be. <laughs> Which is just like you know something is so Joel Schumacher's. I think I had this, this same type of thing in Batman forever, where it was like the gang with the, the glow in the dark face paints and stuff like that. It's very Joel Schumacher. Like Joel Schumacher's Batman to me has always felt like a different world. Whereas, you know, Tim Burton's and Zack Snyder and even Christopher Nolan, they sort of use like a Gotham city that looks like something from the past. Whereas Joel Schumacher's, this looks like its own world. And even though it isn't, always realistic i appreciate that uh but yeah that scene where they take over the lair and she says something about you know uh we've got to do something about this floor bane and he just steps through this brick floor and it shatters <laughs> where it's through like plywood painted as brick or something um oh well, so much good stuff here uh, what's the other thing she says um uh, uh honey um yeah honey clean up this mess uh we're gonna have company coming over <laughs> and then he's like honey company <laughs> it's frankenstein all of a sudden <laughs> honey company <laughs> and, yeah like the 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 sex trafficking auction like <laughs> like what is this benefit he also says when he's selling it to Pamela Isley, you should come along. I'm donating one of my diamonds to this cause, or we're auctioning off one of my diamonds. And then when they're auctioning it off, the auctioneer is like, this has kindly been loaned to us on night from Bruce Wayne. And it's like, can you loan something you're auctioning? Aren't those polar opposite things? Like, you can't loan an auction. That's not the same thing. Um, and then the, the idea that, like, well, we're going to have to lure him out with diamonds. But then they're, they're not even showing off diamonds there. Like, how is Mr. Freeze? Mr. Freeze is going to go there and he's just going to scoop up one of the girls because that's what they're selling. So Bruce Wayne is like, I'm going to entrap him. And I'm also going to sell some women into the sex industry. <laughs> like, did he concoct this plan to, to legalize prostitution? It's just so bizarre that this has anything to do with diamonds when they're selling women. Like, how wrong is this? Tell me I'm not alone in thinking it. You are not alone. And he's that old guy, the one who's always like, and I bid $50,000. Yeah. Is that the old guy from Spider-Man who says to Norman Osborn, like, yeah. you're out, Norman? Like, I swear yeah. that's him. I was trying I was trying to figure out where I recognize him from. As soon as you said that, I'm like, yeah, that's the one where he's like, you're out, Norman. Yeah. Out, and then he's like, I bid $500,000. <laughs> They're doing, like, handshaking. Like, Yeah. <laughs> We just we just needed um the the butler guy the uh, Norman's assistant like I can tell I glide a wound when I see one. <laughs> 
He would make this movie even better. He fits in this movie. <laughs> well, no, forget forget about that. We we've seen that Batman Begins stole things from this. Other movies have stolen things from this. I never realized until I had to take notes for this movie that Spider-Man Three is a remake of Batman and Robin. You have three villains, an overuse of villains. You have Mister Freeze, the main villain, getting taken out early. You have the other villain that's going to simply manipulate the main villain, Venom and Poison Ivy, into coming out of retirement. You have them holding a city hostage together. All the villains work together in the end. You have um, uh, the, the the villain getting redeemed by actually crying at the end when they, <laughs> they appeal to their paternal instincts or whatever. Like, in so many ways, Spider-Man and Batman and Robin are the exact same movie. It's just like Spider-Man 3 didn't realize it was campy. Batman and Robin did. So I'm going to say it right now. Batman and Robin, better movie than Spider-Man 3. <laughs> well, that's, sure that's you... why I like both of them so much. Um, and also, we're just missing uh, George Clooney emo dance. That's what yeah. we need in this yeah. movie. Uh, but we do get Chris O'Donnell just existing. So that's <laughs> close enough. <laughs> the MJ of uh, <laughs> the Batman franchise. The difference is... Batman, uh, Robin only sleeps with one man. <laughs> Clear difference between him and MJ. Um, and Arnold Schwarzenegger coming into the the auction, uh, the on loan auction or whatever it is. Cool party. <laughs> they just wrote a regular script, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think it would be very clever if I just. Work words like cold and freezing cool into everything. They're like, sure, we're paying $25 million. Do whatever you want. See, this this is, you know what I've just realized? If Arnold Schwarzenegger was Jinx in Die Another Day, you would appreciate it more because he would deliver the lines better. Your mama. He doesn't wait around for the boom, you know? He doesn't have that stupid grin on his face waiting for the reaction. Think I got the thrust uh, of it. <laughs> Looks like we're going down together. <laughs> Ornithologist, now that's a mouthful. <laughs> I'm choking. This is so good. <laughs> I want to see Arnold Schwarzenegger emerging from the water in an orange bikini. <laughs> I'm good, even when I'm bad. When I'm bad. <laughs> Read this, bitch. <laughs> wow, now there's a mouthful. <laughs> We're on the same side. <laughs> Underneath a mango. Oh, wrong, wrong movie. Wrong movie. He would I make it better. I, I, I would watch. I would pay good money to see Arnold Schwarzenegger and Pierce Brosnan have sex. That that I'm not afraid of it. I would see Arnold Schwarzenegger pull a fruit from somewhere that doesn't make sense and a knife. Pierce Brosnan fiddling with the diamonds in Arnold Schwarzenegger's belly <laughs> Put it in again. No, take it out. Put it in. Oh. Oh. Please, let's make that happen. Um. Yeah, the, the, I want to talk about one of George Clooney's worst parts of this movie. He actually does really well when he's playing, like, the, the smarby. This is why I say, like, he has a little bit of Bruce Wayne to him when he's the Bruce Wayne, you know, just don't point that thing in my bedroom. Like that's, that's just George Clooney. And he does well with the whole playboy aspect of Bruce Wayne, probably better 
than Michael Keaton and Val Kimmer. He's not as grounded. He's not as realistic, but better. But then when they do the whole marriage thing, and he's like, uh, uh, uh marriage. Um, um, oh, uh, do you, do you, do you want to take this? It's just, oh, it's just painful to watch him with that fake stammer. Uh, but then there's other parts where, as Batman, where I just want to give a bit of defense now. Like, like you said, it looks like he can't move. That was a problem with all the Batmans, you know. Uh, Christian Bale, they they wrote it as part of the uh, the Dark Knight because they realized when filming he can't turn his head. So even in the even ten years later, or I guess eight years later, it was still a problem with movement in the bat suit. So I'll give some credit. I mean, it's not like what we see Ben Affleck do, but physically as Batman, I buy him more than at least Michael Keaton. Because, I mean, Val Kilmer found a way to pull off not being able to move in the bat suit. Like, he had a physicality about him. But all the Michael Keaton supporters need to go back and watch those Batman movies. The fight scenes are embarrassing to watch. Like, flat-out embarrassing. And here, at least, there's an illusion of Batman being able to fight. And I think the only problem is I don't buy George Clooney's being strong. Like, George Clooney's not, you know, a strong guy. I, I never really picture him as an action hero, which is why I think he quit trying to do action movies because he's just not believable but he at least looks good in the bat suit you know the chin and all like especially he the loves chin. he looks good in everything it's george Clooney. Ex- Come on. exactly yeah but i mean as far as the fight scenes go still at least better than michael keaton because as much as i love michael keaton you know one thing and michael keaton was guilty of this as well he basically played batman the same way that he played bruce wayne it's just he would be a little bit more aggressive with it i'm not saying everybody needs to do a christian bale voice but Val Kilmer actually probably got the 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 difference between Batman and Bruce Wayne best. Funny enough, you talked about Joel Schumacher, the the rumors that him and Val Kilmer didn't get along. I think they both basically confirmed that that like yeah yeah we definitely didn't see eye to, Val Kilmer doesn't see eye to eye with anybody. That's kind of his reputation. Uh, but despite the fact that Joel Schumacher has admitted him and Val Kilmer did not get along on those DVDs, you'll hear Joel Schumacher say, "I thought that George Clooney was a." pretty good batman i don't think he was great it's like i still think that val kilmer was the best batman so as mm. much as he hated val kilmer in real life joel schumacher appreciated what val kilmer did as batman george clooney he's just there so by no means by saying he's great it's just i don't think he's absolutely bad other than a few lines here and there and he does the best with what he has um yeah, the back and forth, uh, $200,000, $300,000, or whatever, $5 million, $6 million, a board from you. I mean, that Batman card is hilarious. And if you're not <laughs> believing that this was intended to be a campy, you know, Adam West-style Batman movie, then I get that that's going to bother you. But if you're on board and you are understand, they're never going to put that in here if they want this movie taken seriously. And if it was one moment, fine. But, like, we're, we're pinpointing every 30 seconds something that's clearly meant to be ridiculous in this movie. Uh, I accept it. And Batman expires forever. Like, that is so brilliant. <laughs> Um, the guards. Did you recognize even the voice of one of the guards in um uh the no. the Arkham Asylum? No, Governor Jesse the Body Ventura. Oh, I read he was in this movie, but yeah. I didn't know who he was. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I wouldn't probably wouldn't recognize because he he doesn't really get a close up shot, but it's, he's in quite a bit of the scene. And obviously, this was just I wouldn't say favor, but like he probably called in the favor to Arnold Schwarzenegger because he's been in tons of Schwarzenegger movies and is friends with him. He's like, I need you to put me in that Batman movie. (laughs) And he he was Uh, governor, what, like late 90s. So he would have only just been around the corner from doing this. Like 
year after this. So he was the time this movie comes out, he's probably starting to think about running for governor of Minnesota. Um, and it's because of Batman. Let's be honest. It was like, hey, yeah, I was in a Batman movie. I know what I want to do. I want to go into politics. Inspiration. <laughs> um, also, with Vivica Fox, you know, it's funny because I, I, I always forget she's in this movie, partly because she's in, like, one scene. But this was coming off of, like, a year removed from Independence Day. So everybody associated with Independence Day was all over the place. Like, you knew everybody in, in Independence Day. And I remember these talk show appearances or something like that or, or these – you know, TV shows that would say like, you know, Vivica Fox from Independence Day is going to be in the new Batman movie. And I remember this movie coming out and probably having seen her promoting it somewhere like, oh, she's going to be in this movie and watching the entire movie and not realizing it was her until I watched it on video when I owned it like, you know, nine months later and saw her name in the credits and eventually put together, oh, I think that's supposed to be his, you know, mistress. Is this a mistress? Like he's afraid to go near another woman. But, like, why does he have this mistress in this skimpy outfit in his freeze layer who's clearly, no like, idea. you know, it, it doesn't fit. This is a, another thing, though, I guess, a Joel Schumacher, like, because he got uh, – was it Drew Barrymore to be the uh, – the what would you call her? I mean, she's the the villain's girl, the the, the girlfriend of the villain. Like, it's it's, it's – The Drew Barrymore. The Drew yeah but but basically just the one scene cameo of a famous actress to be the girlfriend uh, of the villain in his layer scene like it's the exact same thing he did in the previous movie i, I want to say though with vivica fox not as wasted as she was in independence day resurgence yes let me start yeah. on that oh oh wait fucking independence day resurgence i yeah. like you roland emmerich until that movie what the hell did you do uh here's something funny there the best line that Arnold Schwarzenegger actually delivers as a menacing villain. There's very few moments in this movie where he's actually menacing. But I always remember even in the trailers when he's in the prison and he's saying to the guards, he's like, my name is Freeze. Learn it well for it's the chilling sound of your doom. Like, it's not as funny as his other lines. It actually is a menacing. And that was kind of like what the trailer started with. So there are moments here where he still plays it straight and he does pretty well. Um, and then the... Uh, the um uh oh i know where i talked about that uh okay so the bike chase i was now coolio this <laughs> just felt like i mean coolio was a huge deal at the time this came out like beyond huge like biggest you know hip-hop artist in the world huge is it ever said that his name is jonathan crane in this movie like i didn't realize no. this until i started reading up on what the sequel is supposed to be yeah no i don't think it is i think it was just kind of they were going to, you know, do it as a bit of a surprise or sort of connected in or something like that. But um, no, I, 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 I had no clue until I read it as well. I mean, I visually, I, I can see Coolio as Scarecrow with the hair and everything. That would make a cool visual as an interpretation of Scarecrow. But like, obviously, they would have ditched the whole idea about him being a scientist and a doctor or a psychiatrist or whatever, because he's a guy who runs illegal Fast and the Furious races in back alleys. Like, I don't know how that would have worked as the menacing villain in the next movie, but still interesting. They got him in the movie here. Um, uh, I think that's pretty much all we're up to right now. Right. Yeah. Uh, the escape, escape from Arkham. Face outfits. I hope Mr. I love, I hope Mr. Bane can swim. Like you call him Mr. <laughs> Bane. That's great. Um, I don't know if you talked about this yet, but, uh, are you, have you gotten to the scene where commissioner Gordon, runs down poison ivy is uh i think we're just at that scene now because he's okay. yeah yeah we're just at that scene right now because that that's hilarious for a whole bunch of reasons go you keep talking go bring it okay, up now so, Why not? you're in a roll um 
Commissioner Gordon, now all of a sudden the effects of Poison Ivy have worn off where Batman and Robin are like, you know, hey, I, I suddenly don't want her anymore. Yeah, me too. Isn't that weird? But last night, like, She's I felt woman. like I was going to But I, I thought I was going to kill you over a woman of all things, you know? <laughs> but the thing that makes this scene so funny, first I'll say the the unintentionally bad moment here, and then the other one, which may or may not be intentionally, uh, when Rob is saying, I can't believe we were fighting over a bad guy. Like, is this a thing where they call them bad guys in superhero movies? <laughs> we were fighting over a bad guy. Bad, bad yes. Guy, no. <laughs> like, that's a very Adam West thing there. Uh, but it's the introduction of the scene that's even better. When Commissioner Gordon is showing them the video or the picture, it's like, this is the two arriving at the airport on a flight from South America the other day. And he's like, they put 10 security guards in the hospital. They poisoned a businessman with some organic material. And they stole his limousine. (laughs) (laughs) They beat up 10 security guards, killed a man, and stole his limousine is the punchline on that. I was on that photo where it's like a plane in the background says Air South America and it's like this zoom it's this zoomed in who's taking that photo? They're paparazzi like in Gotham, like, ooh, evil people have arrived. And Bane just has a hat over his Bane mask. Yeah. <laughs> this guys. Uh but this whole sequence I think where they're, you know, in Freezer's lair and basically, you know, Commissioner Gordon and all the, the cops and they're kind of Poison Ivy and that are underneath in a great thing. Freeze is like, I cannot handle the burden, the bat, I'm so weak! Um, and then Poison Ivy's like, let me handle them. Um, and then I love how then somehow Freeze gets up and has it, for some reason he has a heater. Oh no, that's coming up after, isn't it? Well, they've got a heater in his frozen lab, that makes no sense. But this is where like he starts freezing everyone in the thing, the slowest gas in the world, but all the cops are just like, what? And there's that one, you know, my lungs are freezing! Exactly, that's what it, this is what it feels like, I always wondered. <laughs> How do you know that? Like, do people get well, coronavirus? Not- my lungs have coronavirus! Hey, don't ju- poison ivy might be the the uh, patient zero here. <laughs> She's spreading. She, she no, could it, be. Like, do you remember Batman Forever that well? Uh, it's been a while since I've watched it, but yeah, I, I remember most of it. Yeah, it, it's it's just like the uh, the opening sequence with the bank vault when Batman's trying to get the guy, and the guard is there, and the thing just starts filling with liquid, and the guards immediately like it's filling with boiling acid. <laughs> Isn't, isn't that the one where there's like a famous meme of that guy where he's like, yeah, Batman, or something like that, or there's, there's another really cheesy one-liner from one of the side people. I can't remember if it's Batman Forever or not, but there's there's a, yeah. It's and he's like, go Batman, Batman, or yeah, Batman, or something like that. Um, oh, I just love it. I love these side people. And then <laughs> this, this whole fight, like, the thing is with some of the fight scenes in this movie, like, we, we criticise Catwoman for having, like, terrible fights. But, like, even some of the fights in this one, like, it's... I don't know if it's just the way they film it because they're so far away and you just, they're clearly stunt doubles. Like, it's a good point you make about George Clooney not being an action person because, like, every single sequence where you've got Batman in some sort of fight, like, I don't think of that as being George Clooney. You just kind of think of it as... It's it's weird. And, like, even the Chris O'Donnell stuff... Cause, and the fights are over in, like, two seconds. Um, yeah. Even Bane, who is so physically imposing, choking Robin, and Robin's just like... Aah! And then Bane just puts him down. It's like, yeah, <laughs> okay... Um, and then it's like, the scene... it's like Sharon Stone and Halle Berry and Catwoman. It's just like, it's yeah. pathetic to watch. I do. I do like the point when like Batman's in those bags of 
kilos or something like that, and Ivy's blowing the dust on him. And then, like, when Batman tries to get up, you can just see how awkward it is for George Clooney in that suit, because he can't even get up. He's kind of like... He's, like, wobbling around trying to get up. Um, And then... Uh, what even happens at this point? Is this where... Oh, it's when um, Ivy escapes and pushes Robin into ice cream or something yeah, like, like that. Yeah, what is that? And then this is when Robin's like, I'm going solo! <laughs> <laughs> and this is when he's like, I want a Robin signal in the sky. Like, yeah, shut it's, up! It's always Batman and Robin, not Robin and Batman! <laughs> shut up! Punch uh, <laughs> uh, Ivy kills Freeze's wife and is going to blame it on Batman... Uh, we then go to Ivy's hideout and half of it is grass and half of it is ice and they come up with this plan of let's freeze the world and take it over with poison plants. How does that work? <laughs> like, no. How do plants grow in frozen worlds? Like, I've, I'm, I've not been to Antarctica, but I've seen it. There's no greenery there. Uh, well, like, <laughs> the snow has melted in Winnipeg in like the last week or so, but... You don't see any plants alive right now. Humans are still alive. <laughs> um, this is when Alfred is basically so sick he's got McPherson's. Let's call it that again. <laughs> McPherson's disease. No, that's not even. It's first stage McPherson's disease. <laughs> oh, because we had that computer simulation before, didn't we? Where it's like stage one curable, stage two mild, stage yeah. three no cure. Uh, <laughs> um. And you've got that doctor who's just like, I'm afraid he's got McPherson's disease. Stage one. <laughs> but it's bad. He just leaves. Um, they're all sad. Alicia Silverstone gets the <laughs> the CD right after. It's like, give this to my brother. Don't open it. It's only for him. What if yeah, of course like, she's not going to open it. What if, what if it's like, get this to my brother? She's like, Clifford? No. Buford? No. <laughs> Wilfred? Yes, that's the one. <laughs> We come from a family of butlers. Why do you come from a family of butlers? Like, who wakes up and, like, you know, my great-grandfather was a slave. So was my <laughs> grandfather. I'm going to keep being a slave forever. <laughs> you can see why they've never cast, like, a black Alfred, because that's going to be offensive. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why you're always only going to have white Alfred. Um, We're now at this benefit or the opening sorry of this is the thing i forget about this plot about this great telescope that can like beam things from around the world okay um poison ivy's there she's uh slutting up to commissioner gordon uh, <laughs> i love it she's like on second thought you're too old for me and he's like no i'm not <laughs> <laughs> no i'm not <laughs> um and i don't understand so then she's trying to get access to the bat light so that she can make a Robin light. Is that what the plot here is? Yeah, um, to lure and Robin. I love, and I love how later on, like, Robin's like, I want a Robin light. And then five minutes later, there is one, and they're just acting like, okay, that's normal. Because, yeah. like, he's just like, yeah, that was a Robin signal in the sky, not the bat signal. And <laughs> the logo. Yeah, There's exactly. never been a Robin signal. Well, in all fairness, I mean, Batman and Robin do seem to put their logo on everything they oh, have. Credit so. cards, yeah. <laughs> and we missed that scene earlier, I think, with um, with Poison Ivy when she's like, I'm going to kill you all with plants. And that woman is like, haven't you heard? Gotham's protected yeah. by Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin protect us in Gotham City. Um, yeah, I love Alicia Silverstone trying to hack into this disc by putting in, like, password of yeah. Alfred <laughs> Wayne. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know about you, Colin, but my password is actually Ben. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's more real than your sister's name. <laughs> <laughs> and again, unlimited access. And like, uh, access denied. Access. And then when she finally gets it, it's like this sexualized woman, like, <laughs> access <know>. granted. <laughs> It's like, access denied, access denied, <laughs> access granted. <laughs> uh. She's like, oh, oh, Alfred, this isn't the program I wanted, oh. And then, like, why does as soon as you get access to it, it's like all these blueprints, like, going, um. How does the computer suddenly have the ability to project on her face? <laughs> yeah. And she's smiling because she's got, like, the logo on her face, basically, like, oh, yeah. Um. So we should really mention the whole plot now is basically Freeze is going to take the telescope and freeze the city because basically it's a giant laser beam. Um, It's die another day at this point, essentially. Yeah, it is. Uh, (laughs) Another movie (laughs) influenced by Batman and Robin, die another day. The Robocop suit. There you go. (laughs) The laser. uh, The cheesy one-liners for Jinx. See? Very, you know, it's it's, it's definitely done that. Robin sees... Sexual undertones. Yeah, exactly. Um, Madonna. Uh, <laughs> don't know how, but sure. Uh, <laughs> um, Robin's going to go off to the Robin signal. And I, I do, like, you talk about the gay undertones of this movie. So so the, the interview that George Clooney uh, is on Wikipedia, and basically it's got this whole section about um, the homoerotic innuendo. Clooney admitted to purposely taking a subtle gay approach to his betrayal and later said, Schumacher told me Batman was gay. So- <laughs> <laughs> Which is why he never marries. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And another thing too, actually, I forgot to mention, we're talking about the casting of this movie and how Clooney, you know, was, I don't think there was really a whole lot of other casting around it. I did read David Duchovny was considered for Batman and also apparently later considered for Batman for Batman Begins. Now, I love David Duchovny. Don't get me wrong. I do not see David Duchovny as Batman. No. Like, that would be weird. Um... It was physically maybe, but I don't think acting wise he could pull it off. The truth is out there, Robin. <laughs> um, so yeah, but the, we talk about the gay undertones. This is maybe the most the the gayest undertone of this whole movie. When Batman's got this speech to Robin, like going like, "Come on now, you've got to trust me. You're my sidekick, my partner." And then this yeah. awkward pause and brother. <laughs> Like, it, it doesn't even flow. Like, to me, it's kind of, as soon as he said partner, they're kind of like, oh. And like, oh, but you're my brother because you're my man and we can't be gay. Like, it just if he said it flowingly, it would be fine. But just watch it. There's just this weird pause between partner and brother. Um, Robin shows up to Ivy's lair. Um, she tries to kiss him, but he's wearing rubber lips. <laughs> uh, to which... I don't know if this is just high definition does not do this a favour, but the whole sequence where you are looking at, like, Robin's got this clear, like, plastic thing yeah. on his mouth anyway, so you can actually see it. Again, I blame high definition, maybe. You, you weren't meant to see that. But, um, and, like, why does she throw him into a vat of water when, like, she can just kiss him again? She's just, he's just removed the exactly. lips. <laughs> like, More come on. on the man. Um, but again, Uma Thurman, brilliant. I love the way she kisses him and she kind of has that look up. Like she's kind of like looking up, like going, I'm uh, killing sinister. you. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Batman shows up. She ties up Batman in vines. 
Batgirl shows up and we get a girl-on-girl fight, which is really bad. Like, this is a really bad fight. I love how, like, Ivy pulls out the smallest switchblade in the world, uh, to which she then, again, plays up to the camp. She checks herself out <laughs> in the thing. Like, it's hilarious. Um... Is it, I, I'm going to say this. This is a worse fight than Sharon Stone and Halle Berry in Catwoman. Like, it's it's two uh, kicks. And and Alicia Silverstone goes all whale in. Yeah! Yeah! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, for some reason, the plant that Ivy was in five minutes before eats her. Okay. Um, and also, when she admits to uh, Batgirl, like, I'm the one who killed Freezer's uh, wife. No one is filming that. Let's remember that in five minutes' yeah. time when <laughs> Batman has perfect footage of this. Um, they had this really weird team-up moment where, again, like, Bruce Wayne has had no vision of this girl being a rebel. She's still just innocent Alfred's niece. And now all of a sudden she's in, like, a bat suit and he's basically all like, oh, well, I'm going to team up with you. Okay. Um, and I should have mentioned the scene before when Batgirl discovers the cave and we've got weird Alfred, like, going, I thought you might discover my thing. I've created a suit perfect to your size. Like, that's a I bit creepy, Alfred. I programmed my brain's algorithm into the Batcomputer. <laughs> <laughs> Little bit creepy. Uh, and then, like, okay, at least still said, the, probably the worst line she has in the movie, I want to help Batman and Robin. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm going to make the argument that when Bruce clearly knows it's her and he's commenting and she's like, Bruce, it's me, Barbara. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I might just, I'm honestly just going to go to the end of the movie because this is just go. kind of just one giant action sequence here. Um, basically, Freeze is freezing the city. He freezes a dog peeing. Sure. Um, <laughs> and then, this whole fight sequence and like oh can we also point out when do batman robin and batgirl have time to change into specially designed outfits that replicate the style of the frozen telescope they've got like silver lining (laughs) like it's again this is the toy aspect like let's get batman of that in this because they've now got silver linings on this again was this the skate design like maybe one day we might have a frozen villain who we might need to team with the theme yeah what Um, if we ever have to have a fight up there by that telescope we need an outfit that's appropriate for the occasion and we should also mention when Batgirl gets suited up, we have constant zoom-ins on bums and boobs. Yeah. A lot more <laughs> yeah. enjoyable than earlier on, I'll have to say. a fraction of what we got with the guys at the beginning. And, and why does, when Batgirl, like, arrives at the telescope and she's on <laughs> the motorbike and Robin has, like, a... I don't even know what Robin's got. Is it a hovercraft? Is it a, <laughs> is it a shopping cart? An isocraft? <laughs> it's so bad. But, like, Batgirl's wearing basically, like, a Batman-style hat like she's got the point oh, and everything. It looks so bad but when she like gets up in the telescope she takes it off yeah like what is it um, mask? <laughs> yeah i don't know so then they're trying to thaw out this uh thing because they've got 11 minutes basically um we have the the really cheesy zoom in on the clock and then the the fa- my one of my favorite bits is when arnie basically pops up in that zoomed in microscope um, and it's like, weather forecast, ah, freeze is coming, or whatever it is he says. And then you've got the zoom in of uh, George Clooney as well. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. But I don't understand when Robin and Batgirl fall down from this observatory, 
this observatory is in the middle of the city. Why is there a giant cliff leading to like a, a an endless pit of nothing? Like, is that because <laughs> it's frozen? Like, I don't understand it. Um, and then we got the grappling hook, like I got you, and then no, I got you. Uh, <laughs> and then we just see Alfred. No, I got all of you. Yeah. <laughs> Britney Spears runs in in five seconds flat and is like, no, I've yeah. got you all! <laughs> um, Batman and Freeze have a fight. Uh, again, the campiness of Freeze here, the way he's getting like kicked in the head, he's almost like dancing. He's like... The random lab assistants, I like them, when they're like, this is such a terrible day! Oh, it's so good! <laughs> like, even when they're not speaking, just they always have that look on their face, like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah. <laughs> Um, Bane and Batgirl and Robin have the worst fight ever because it's like two punches and then they just unplug him. Um, <laughs> and he shrivels. <laughs> um, they start thawing out because they then essentially work this out. The computer's upside down and it's like, oh, you know, I can do this. And oh, men, men can't do anything. Like, stupid line. Um, what? And the line from Batman that makes no sense. Lenny's basically like, hey, Freeze, the heat is on. And like yeah. he uh, he attaches a red thing, he falls, and that's it. What is that red thing that he attaches to him? You never Super see it. Superheater. You it doesn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, because he he does the same thing to the 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 two lab workers there, and I think Batgirl says, "Do you have about ten million more of those?" Yeah. Oh, it's it's weird. Freeze all of a sudden finds that he's got some bombs. He blows up the telescope. Batman's falling down and saves the lab workers. Now. This is where I don't understand later on when Robin, like, he's being little bitchy, moany Robin. It's like, ooh, when we fell off the thing, you never saved us. And then Batman's like, I was going to help let you do it by yourself. You wanted to work by yourself. Why doesn't Robin and Batgirl save Batman? Like, they literally say, yeah. like, what can we do? Pray. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> save Batman! You little shit. Hypocrite. Um, they get themselves back up. They. <laughs> this is where it's just dumb. This, the plot is already dumb, let's be honest. But now with no telescope, they're like, hey, but if we rewrote, if we reroute the satellites, we can do it anyway. Oh. Okay. And I love what is it like, it's morning in the Congo. Okay. Is it just the Congo <laughs> that it's morning? That's the only place in the world? Wait, um, what, what time zone is the Congo? Do we know what the difference is? Yeah, uh, we, we can look it up. Look up the time zone. of. I mean, which Congo? There's two Congos as well. <laughs> Congo time zone. Uh... <laughs> I'm assuming it says Congo. They are in West Africa Standard Time. Okay, so, so maybe. Is, six hours I mean, ahead of Winnipeg time. So if yeah. Gotham City's in Central Time Zone, then they'd be 6 a.m. All right, that's plausible. But just if we look at the map of the world, um, Congo is also in the same... Oh, it's only that small part of Africa. Okay. Um, but, I mean... You know, Cote d'Ivoire is also in the same time zone. Let's, so... just, let's, let's just make that the line in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Cote d'Ivoire, it's morning. Uh... <laughs> uh, actually, no, I'm looking at the wrong part of Africa. Sorry. Um, South Africa, same time zone. Zambia, Namibia, Mozambique. There you go. Oh, there we Why go. Does... In Mozambique, it's morning. You're right. <laughs> also, Greece, Romania, Finland... Uh, Moldova? Come on, Holy Moldovan morning, Batman! <laughs> so anyway, this thaws out the city. Freeze is all, you know, redeemed now, basically. This is where he's like, you killed my wife! 
It's like, no, Ivy did. Let's show a video. Um, and then, oh, can I please have the um, the cure to McPherson disease stage one? <laughs> he just happens to have it on him. Um, Take Call me in the morning. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> but again, why does Batman just trust this evil supervillain? Like, he could still be like, fuck you, Batman. I want to kill Alfred. Just gives <laughs> it to him straight away. Yeah, exactly. Um, it could be coronavirus. Um, yeah. <laughs> Ivy survived. She's all crazy. He loves me. He loves me not. Freezes his new cell, her new cellmate. Um, Alfred wakes up. He's okay. Oh, we're gonna need a bigger cave. I hate that line. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all like teaming up basically because hey, there's definitely gonna be a sequel to this movie. And <laughs> <laughs> they all run off into the shadows. A cool shot. Um, yeah. and then we end with Smashing Pumpkins. Great song. The end is beginning. Is the beginning is the end, or whatever it's called. Great song. Grammy award winning song. Um, yeah, I mean Arnold Schwarzenegger has one line in here which I really scratch my head. Still, I'm like, what is it supposed to mean when he goes, "If revenge is a dish best served cold, then put on your Sunday finest. It's time to feast." I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Let me think about that. Revenge is a dish. Okay, dishes of food. Sunday finest, okay. Don't know the connection. Time for a feast, okay. I guess your Sunday finest is for the feast. There, you haven't seen Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, uh, still. I take it right. No, I haven't. There's this hilarious line. Brandon Routh probably has like what still gives me the biggest laugh of the movie when he's trying to uh, give uh, like a, a big henchman's type line, like a Bond villain line. Tell it to the cleaning lady, and they're like, everybody's like, uh, what? He goes, because the cleaning lady, she comes on Monday. <laughs> And, okay, and well, you'll be turned to dust when I pulverize you. And the cleaning lady, she dusts, and they're all like, "All right, so what is Monday after that?" Well, because you see, she has the weekends off, right? <laughs> it's just very uh, over over explained thing because nobody gets it the first time, and that's exactly my put on your Sunday finest. It's time for a feast. I'm like, I still don't understand what this line means, but you're Arnie, so free pass. There you go. Um. I just want to talk about the Batgirl. Like, uh, there isn't one line of dialogue she gives in this movie that's convincing. Chris O'Donnell could have one or two that kind of work. George Clooney's got some more. I did say, you know, I, I really like some of George Clooney's stuff. Now, now I, I will – I agree with you. It's clearly stuntmen what we see here. But still, I will say George Clooney's stuntman, more convincing than Michael Keaton's stuntman if that's what the case is. Uh, but as Bruce Wayne, some of the stuff that works – all the scenes with Alfred work really well. You know, the scene where he goes to Alfred is like, Alfred, am I pig-headed? Is it my way or the highway? Like, I actually really like that scene, especially because Alfred responds is, yes. You know, that's what a leader is like. It's a really good scene, and George Clooney does it well. Um, some of the scenes he has with Robin, like I said, they have a little bit of chemistry. Not a lot of bit, but a little bit of chemistry. And I kind of like that. So Alicia Silverstone, nothing. Like, not one moment in this movie where she sounds convincing, where she isn't annoying, where, where she she pulls anything about this character off. And again, it's not because I wish they'd got... Because I didn't know anything about the real Batgirl from the comics at this point. I knew that comic book fans were very upset at this point, but I, I didn't know anything. I just... I hate everything about her in this movie. And like you mentioned, that the, the weird bat mask that she puts on, which just... It looks like it's three sizes too big. Forget about her putting on weight. It looks like she lost weight because that that thing is like way too big for her and then she just takes it off 
like you said, them changing their outfits is just like, <laughs> okay, freeze. We've only got till midnight. Otherwise, he's going to kill everybody in the city and potentially the world. All right. First, we got to change. And then you cut to <laughs> more nipple, more crotch, more butt shots. Like, that would have been Joel This will go really well with the snow. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to be a little bit all over the place here because uh, I actually don't have much notes left. But you brought a few interesting things to mind. I mean, the di- I'm, I made note of this is Die Another Day. It is exactly the same as Die Another Day's plot. Uh, I still can't really wrap my head around what the telescope's purpose is because they say the telescope will actually you know, see the mirrors that are on satellites in space which reflect things off other sides of the world. Like why do we need that? Why do we need to see what the sky looks like in Mozambique? I don't understand. <laughs> It doesn't have a practical purpose. A satellite has a practical purpose. You're relaying a signal to look at what something looks like on the other side of the world. If it is daylight for you, it's going to show you nothing. Like, I don't understand it at all. Um, But the the telescope fight thing, (laughs) not as bad as Catwoman. I'll just say that. Uh, the, The Bane thing, I only like it because when Bane shrivels up, Batgirl and Robin suddenly get like this look on their face, like, look at this loser. <laughs> These two high school bullies. One <laughs> um, of the lines that Batman has are, why are all the gorgeous ones homicidal maniacs? Like, all uh, of them? <laughs> like, your fiance is a homicidal maniac. Nicole Kidman was a homicidal a maniac. That's a bad line. Kim Basinger. You literally have known one homicidal maniac, which was Catwoman. And now it's all of them. Uh, and, and yeah, the, the one that you mentioned that the heat is on freeze, like, he's not even trying. Like, this is why I appreciate Schwarzenegger and Uma Thurman in this movie, because they have a bad line and like, I'm going to give it my all, even if I am making a joke out of it, freeze, the heat is on. Like there is no effort put into it at all. Uh, maybe the worst thing in this movie, as far as like dialogue goes is, there's something about an anatomically correct bat suit, a rubber suit. That's missing a penis. <laughs> what part of it is anatomically correct? Uh, he's got everything else in there, the nipples, but no penis. But uh, seriously, it's just kind of gross to think about it. Uh, and the fact that it's rubber, too. Those rubber lips, I, I love you pointed out. It just looks like he's wearing really, really sticky lip gloss for the whole scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, I wrote the same thing you did, the access denied. Access allowed. <laughs> <laughs> I want that voice on my computer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and what's weirder is that it wasn't Alfred. Oh, no, it's the intruder alert part. Alfred goes, through, intruder alert, intruder alert. Then all of a sudden it's like, I had a feeling you might stumble in here one day, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> make himself a woman? Because he's doing the same sexy voice transition here. Uh, R. Schwarzenegger, one of the other good moments he has with the the menacing villain dialogue is like, the blood will freeze in my hands. Like, that's actually kind of terrifying. That's good. Uh, when Batman is introduced, this was all over the trailers too, where she's like, I'm Batgirl. Like, that's not very PC. What about Batwoman? Uh, Batperson? <laughs> says Batman? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then that's it's such goes, an odd line. Yeah, exactly. What about Bat Person, Batman? But then that's like I get to uh, Bruce. Twenty twenty twenty. That would apply differently. Yeah, but then that's where she goes. Bruce, it's me, Barbara. I found the Batcave. <laughs> like I think he gets it at this point, Alicia. <laughs> uh, um, 
yeah, when when they get the sobbing villain, like I don't think it ever bothered me before, but now that I've seen Spider-Man three, it actually bothers me that Mister Freeze has to end the the good guy because, like, I don't know why any of these movies. I hate this especially about the Spider-Man movies, uh, which has really become a problem with a lot of the Marvel movies in general. Like even the Marvel Spider-Man movies, we have to have this redeeming moment with the villain at the end. Like, no, we don't. They're villains. Like, we didn't need that. With why did people love the Joker? Why did people love? Uh, the Riddler. Why did people love um, Two Face? Even Catwoman. Like you get a moment where Batman sympathizes with her, but she's still evil in the end. Like we don't need Mister Freeze being like, "I will help you cure Stage One McPherson Syndrome or whatever." <laughs> like he just has a change of heart overnight after basically killing half the city. And this plot, <laughs> freezing the city, and then we're gonna redirect the sun. You do know that there's still winter when there's daylight, right? Like I live in a city that has snow on the ground for five, maybe even six months of the year. It can be daylight and still be minus 30 degrees. Like the sun coming out is not going to melt anything. You need to change the temperature. It's which by the way, if he just simply froze everything on the ground, the air temperature is not frozen. Like, I know I'm arguing what's clearly supposed to be a children's movie, but still, <laughs> just coming from a cold climate, it bothers me, okay? Uh, <laughs> what was with the you're about to become compost line? <laughs> yeah, who knows? And like, I just don't get this plant and stuff that, ugh, yeah, anyway, yeah. This is a movie that we're defending for being dumb, and here we yeah. are criticizing things that don't make sense. Well, but, but this is part of what the appeal of this movie is, because... There are moments where it is intentionally funny. Like, it, they went want it to be funny, and it does make you laugh. They just are smart enough to not let the audience in on the joke. But then there's things where it's like, I bet you Joel Schumacher thought he was making a great action scene when the climax of your movie is your two heroes wrapped in vines struggling to get free. Like, that is not a good visual. It's just, ugh, 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 oh, oh, this ugh, stupid vines. Like, it's just, it looks really embarrassing. Uh, but still, I love it. Um... And, uh, yeah, the, 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 the people there, the lab workers, whatever you want to call them, like everything <laughs> they do, like they're, I, I, they got the joke too. Like they, they're like Uma Thurman. They're like Arnold Schwarzenegger. They're like, he's freezing the entire city. <laughs> like, oh, Doesn't one of them say it like one point like, yeah, go Batman or something like that as well. Go like she Bat- does. I'm slipping. Like everything they do is really over the top. They're gay! (laughs) Just every observation. The first openly gay couple in Hollywood, (laughs) Sam Smith! There's nipples on the batsuit! (laughs) A freeze is coming! Get it? It's a pun! It's on! I don't know if much else to add here other than uh, that whole thing with a family at the end like uh, partners partners or whatever we're gonna need a bigger cave yeah i agree with you it's kind of lame uh it's the exact same shot we got with batman and robin at the end of batman forever um here is just a different song playing and alicia silverstone's in it uh i don't know about alfred recovering right at the end like it's just sort of like an instant take two of these and call me in the morning like this is stage one he basically wasn't breathing like he looks like you know, COVID-19 patient on his deathbed. And this is stage one. Like, how is his wife even still alive in this frozen state or whatever? Uh, but but still, I like that Alfred got a plot. Like, I think that's the one thing I've always taken away from this movie. They gave Alfred something to do. And when the rest of this movie is really campy, 
Alfred does ground it. And, and in some ways, I think that's why it doesn't work. Like this this scene at the end where they're just all waiting by his bedside for him to recover. And then suddenly it's like, I'm here, everybody, feeling great. Look at me do this cartwheel, you know, like that. But it's still like he's so – Alfred Goff is so good here that it just makes you wish they'd given him something like this in the first three movies. Um, we should also mention the guy that plays the commissioner also was in all four of these Batman movies. Who really cares? Who really remembers? I mean, this is yeah. the Alfred Goff trilogy. Uh, are we going to talk about the song at all? Do we have any more of the soundtrack the, talk here? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm done with the movie. If you are, we can talk about absolutely talk about the song because um, I really like this song. I, I, I like the soundtrack. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Both songs are good. Like You had mentioned, I don't remember if it was on air or off air to me, but you were saying that uh, uh, the, the first, you know, soundtrack you ever owned was the batman and robin soundtrack and i told you the first, first cd i owned first like first full CD. album i owned yeah. was this yeah and I, I think it was two years prior to this where the first one i owned was the batman and forever soundtrack the batman and forever yes yeah, uh good movie <laughs> i i don't know if you were to listen to these soundtracks back to back you know i i kind of signed up for this free trial of google music which basically has like every album in existence and one of the first things i listened to was the batman forever soundtrack i kind of want to move on to batman and robin now i'm like i wonder which one of these soundtracks is better because listening to the Batman Forever one, I'm like, it's not as good as I remember. Uh, and, and there is kind of a weird imbalance with music. This was just a 90s thing. Like, soundtracks were, you had to have one out to promote a movie. It didn't matter if the songs weren't in the movie. Like, I think there's maybe five songs that play during Batman Forever, and there's like 14 songs on the soundtrack. Batman and Robin, it's probably the same. Like, I think that uh, the, uh, the the Smashing Pumpkins, only one of their two versions of the song. So I think there's the end is the beginning is the end. And then there's the beginning is the end is the beginning. Uh, that yeah. was the Underworld song. Um, uh, was there anything R. else? R. Kelly. Like, R. R. Kelly, City, yeah. R. Kelly. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, but like, I remember... Foolish Games by Jewel was yeah, on like, this soundtrack. I don't, that's know, not I don't know if that's movie. where it originated, but I mean, yeah, that was a very popular song. Yeah. Uh, but like Lazy Eye by the Goo Goo Dolls, that's playing in like one scene in the movie. R.E.M. had a song on the soundtrack. I don't remember that. R.E.M.'s maybe my favorite band of all time. I, I don't remember R.E.M. having a song on the soundtrack. So I don't know how memorable the soundtrack would be if I listened to it now. But, you know, at the time, that was part of the fun of any movie is the Godzilla soundtrack. You know, the Batman soundtrack. It was that, And the Smashing Pumpkins. Like, I, I'm shocked you said this won a Grammy Award because like, there's a lot of Smashing Pumpkin songs that are remembered. But nobody really ever talks about the end is the beginning is the end. But I guess, you know, it was a big deal. And it is a great song. Uh, they it was best hard rock performance, but apparently it was also nominated for a Razzie for worst song. Um, <laughs> the, the the thing that I'll say just quickly about Batman Forever soundtrack is is it's maybe got two more iconic songs on it, which I think are brilliant songs. I mean, they two these two two of their songs made my top one hundred songs of all time. That's Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me by U two and Kiss from a Rose by Seal. Like just amazing songs. Um, but yeah, probably overall, Batman and Robin has a better soundtrack because I mean I. My sister, her favorite band of all time is the Smashing Pumpkins. I think I told you this story off air when I got this soundtrack. Cause I, I don't, I had a CD single. I had the Cup of Life by Ricky Martin. Um, actually, that's not true because that would have come out a year later. So I would have owned this before that single. So, okay, this was my very first CD ever. There you go. Um, but my sister really wanted it because it had a Smashing Pumpkins song on it and she collected everything to do with them. So she was angry that I got it. Um... And I used to play it really loudly to piss her off because, you know, that's what I do. Yeah. Um, but I also really used to like the song Poison Ivy, which I realize is a cover of an old song. 
But um, when Ivy's like introducing that scene, when it's like five million dollars, like you actually hear that kind of in the background. Oh. Um, but I always listen to that song, and I think a lot of that just comes down to the fact that I was obsessed with Poison Ivy in this movie. Mm. But um, oh, yeah, Gotham City by R. Kelly, that was a pretty big song. Um, the Bone Thugs and Harmony song, looking to my remember them. Bone oh yeah, Thugs and Harmony. See um, you at the crossroads, crossroads. <laughs> I I don't. I really just think Foolish Games is so out of place on this soundtrack. It is, like, yeah. I mean, the Batman Overture on this soundtrack is also fantastic. Like, mm-hmm. we talk about that. But, yeah, Foolish Games does not fit this soundtrack. No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand it. But, yeah, everyone get the soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. Um, but, yeah, End is Beginning is the end on the credits here before you hear Gotham City by R. Kelly. Um, yeah, this movie didn't really fare too well in terms of the reception. <laughs> uh, 11%. On Rotten Tomatoes. So a bit better than the last two we've done. Double. <laughs> uh, but uh, the critical consensus, Joel Schumacher's tongue-in-cheek attitude hits an unbearable limit in Batman and Robin, resulting in a frantic and mindless movie that's too jokey to care much for. Metacritic, the film has an average score of 28 out of 100. Um, the one thing that I do like here, though, it's a famous quote from Joel Schumacher about this movie. You know, I don't know if this was on the DVD. I think it might have been. Uh, that he basically came out and apologised for this movie. And he said, if there's anybody watching this that, let's say, loved Batman Forever and went into Batman and Robin with great anticipation, if I've disappointed them in any way, then I really want to apologise. Because it wasn't my intention. My intention was to just entertain them. Now, I'm sorry, Joel Schumacher. You entertained me. Oh, yeah. You did a good job. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And I'm all that matters, clearly. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but, I mean, so many other negative reviews about this one. Um, I don't think we really need to go through all of them. There is a positive review here from Janet Maslin of the New York Times. Uh, she praised Uma Thurman's acting as well as production and costume setup. Uh, so there's one. Uh, but it was it was pretty much widely panned. Um, and I'm similar to you. You said, like, kind of at the time it didn't really get a lot of negative press that it was about six months later until these ones we're just reading. But I, I never really remember this being, like, you know, said it was a bad film until a while afterwards. Yeah. Like, again, I'm 10 years old. Maybe I don't pay attention to that. Um, but, yeah, who knows? Um, still nominated for a Saturn Award for Best Fantasy Film, as well as Best Makeup and Best Costume. Didn't win any of them. Uh, I don't know who won that year. What was that? 97. Um, it Well, it lost to Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. <laughs> there you go. Up against uh, George of the Jungle, Hercules, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, and the other one, which I'd had in front of me, and it just disappeared. Uh, the other one I was up against was Mouse Hunt. Mouse Hunt? That movie sucks. Uh, I remember coming seeing from, that at the movies. Coming from a guy who just spent two and a half hours defending Batman and Robin. <laughs> Seriously, that movie was crap. Uh, <laughs> um, best costumes. Um... Best costume, it lost to Starship Troopers. Uh, and best makeup, it lost to Mimic. Never heard of that. Oh, uh, Mimic. I don't know what that movie is. Uh, that was uh, Guillermo del Toro's big American breakthrough movie. Oh, there you go. It had Josh Brolin in it, apparently. So there you go. <laughs> but, of course, this uh, got a few Razzie Awards. <laughs> actually, no, hang on. It didn't actually win any. I think it only maybe won one. It actually lost. It got nominated for ten. Uh, of them, and I've lost... Here we go. Let's find this here. So, nominated for Worst Picture. It was up against Anaconda, Fire Down Below, Speed 2 Cruise Control, but lost 
to the postman. Oh yeah. Uh, the postman which, is not that bad a movie. It's long, but it is not that bad of a movie. I said it the other week, well, last week when we did uh, Jennifer Lopez month, uh, month, we did Jennifer Lopez month. When we talked about Jennifer Lopez, <laughs> actually <laughs> don't mind Anaconda. It was one of those ones as a kid I used to watch all the time. Mm-hmm. Speed two, shit movie. Willem Dafoe, barrel of fun in that movie. Yeah. Um, worst supporting actor. It was nominated for both Chris O'Donnell and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Also nominated, John Voight in Most Wanted and U-Turn, Willem Dafoe in Speed 2 Cruise Control, but lost to Dennis Rodman in Double Team. Uh, Alicia Silverstone did win Worst Supporting Actress. Oh, thank Uma God. Thurman was nominated. No. Fuck off. Uh, also nominated, Faye Dunaway in Albino Alligator. <laughs> We've got to do that movie. Uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus in Father's Day. I don't mind Father's Day. I think that gets a lot of shit. It's not that bad. Yeah, uh, right. And Mila Jokovic in The Fifth Element. Ah, oh, Lilu was good. Come on. Awesome. Uh, George, George Clooney and Chris O'Donnell were nominated for Worst Screen Couple. Lost to Dennis Rodman and Jean-Claude Van Damme in Double Team. Also nominated, Sandra Bullock, Jason Patrick, Speed 2, Steven Seagal, and his guitar in Fire Down Below, and John Voight and the animatronic Anaconda and Anaconda. Worst remake or sequel, it was nominated against Home Alone 3. God, that was shit. McHale's Navy, The Lost World Jurassic Park, boo! Uh, and Speed 2 Cruise Control 1. Joel Schumacher did not win Worst Director. That went to Kevin Costner uh, for The Postman. And Worst Screenplay went to The Postman. Worst Original Song went to the entire score from The Postman. Words <laughs> and Music by Jeffrey. Uh, and Worst Reckless Disregard for Human Life and Public Property, Batman and Robin lost to Con Air. Uh, so, and Volcano was nominated in that category. The people, their faces, they all <laughs> they're all the same. same. <laughs> Uh, it won a couple of uh, Stinker's Bad Movie Awards, though, so there you go. And one thing here which annoys me, uh, the Stinker's Bad Movie Awards unveiled their 100 Years, 100 Stinker's list, which honoured 100 worst films of the 20th century. Batman and Robin came in at third, oh. behind a movie which is not a bad movie. Stop saying it's a bad movie. Wild Wild West, that's a great oh, movie. Oh, I love that movie. That is such a great movie, so underrated. Uh, and Battlefield Earth came in at number one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, there was a sequel that was cancelled. Uh, it was going to be called uh, Batman Unchained, and allegedly it was going to have the Scarecrow's main villain. They were going to bring in Harley Quinn, apparently, as well, written as a Joker's daughter, uh, and they were going to have some cameos from previous uh, villains. Apparently, they were going to try and get Jack Nicholson back as a cameo and all these kind of things. Um, and basically it was scrapped. Another one, too, that was sort of apparently scrapped over this, and I believe there's a documentary about this, which I'd love to watch. I've never watched it, was the whole Superman movie with Nicolas Cage. And, oh, yeah. And uh, pa- apparently Clooney had signed on for a cameo in that movie, and it was going to be the first time that they'd connected Superman and Batman. Never ultimately happened. I mean, God, Nicolas Cage is Superman. We were we missed out there. <laughs> uh, so lots... <laughs> Lots of other things. And, and people have gone on the record and said that, you know, this Clooney and Schumacher said, we kind of killed the franchise. We know we ultimately didn't get it again till Batman Begins in 2005. Uh, apparently, Joel Schumacher tried to convince them to let him do a Batman Year One movie and he'll do it all dark and everything, but they never let him after Batman and Robin. Uh, and then a lot of people have said that this was kind of the comic book movie that sort of changed the direction. So that's yeah. why we had like, <laughs> X-Men. A bit of a different X-Men in 2000 and mm-hmm. Spider-Man and all those type of movies. Uh, we'll get into ranking the Batmans and that too, and I'll get your thoughts on this, but I'll just quickly go over the box office. I mean, it wasn't exactly a bomb. Uh, I mean, it made 
238 million worldwide on a budget of 125 million, only 107 million domestically, which ranks it as the lowest of the Batman movies in the franchise, basically. Uh, still to this day, even the Lego Batman movie uh, yeah. got more movie uh, more money than this. Um, in terms of opening weekend, it outgrossed my best friend's wedding uh, double <laughs> the amount. Uh, $42 million on its opening. So nearly half of its domestic money was made on its opening weekend. Crazy. Yeah. That's what I do uh, remember about this. I remember it, even when it opened, it was like it was a strong opening, but it just faded quickly. Yeah, I think it, it, it holds a record for maybe one of the biggest drops or something like that in terms of that. Um, but, uh, yeah, Con Air in its third week was uh, still making some money. Jurassic World, uh, Jurassic, Lost World Jurassic Park was in its fifth week, still making $8 million. Uh, so there you go. Uh, and Austin, Pow- Austin Powers in its eighth week, making a million. And, and Austin Powers nearly didn't... The first one didn't do that well. It was only the video yeah. market that kind of made Austin Powers into the movie franchise that it did. So interesting to talk about that. Addicted to Love. I swear you and I have talked about oh, that Oh, I love That's a that movie. movie. And The Fifth Element in its seventh week. Mm-hmm. How have we not done The Fifth Element? What a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, anything you want to add on any of what I've just talked about before we get into some plot keywords and things like that? Oh, let's get into it. All right, uh, plot keyword. I was expecting you to say something there. I was trying to open something again straight away. Like, <laughs> oh, I, what I meant to say was I'm really, really, really excited for these plot keywords that I already know are epic and that I already know Ben has queued up and is ready to read at this very moment. I shouldn't be delaying because I know we're all very excited, but drum roll, here it is. Plot keywords. All right. Bat nipples, uh, number one. <laughs> um, featuring Batman and Robin. That's it. <laughs> Where's Batman from? Camera focus on female butt month. I'm down for that. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Fifty Shades of Grey, Justice League, and Baby Driver. Um, Black Swan at number eight. I'm down. Uh <laughs> What else have we got here? Female butt jiggle month. <laughs> like, again, there is one shot of a female butt in this movie. There are about 86 shots of male butts, and this is the plot keywords we're getting? <laughs> female butt jiggle month featuring Casino Royale, uh, Alien, 13, and The Incredibles. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, set up for unmade sequel month. Um, Man wears eyeglasses month. <laughs> Punctuation in title month. <laughs> K. Um, boyfriend, girlfriend, relate. Sexy woman month. Green strap. Media. Okay, here we go. Medium breasts month. <laughs> Medium uh, breasts. <laughs> featuring Once Upon a Time in America, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Escape from New York, and Spaceballs. Um, there is a lot of plot keywords for this one. Um. Loves Me, Loves Me, Not Month, Altered Version of Studio Logo, um, <laughs> Terminal Illness Month, Reverse Footage. Okay. Sure. No, they're pretty Big bad. Person Syndrome Month. <laughs> Barefoot Month. <laughs> there you go. Um, I mean, look, before we... Uh, let's, do we want to rate it first or do we want to do the Batman? But let's rate it first. Let's rate it. I want you to go first here. Uh, okay, so... I mean, I would buy this movie because I have bought this movie. I love this movie. But, I mean, there are issues with it that, you know, make me think, like, the smart idea is to say rent this movie. But, like, I just enjoy it so much. And I don't feel like you could say 
I would buy the Adam West Batman series and not say you would buy Batman and Robin. I think in the context of this being part of that original quadrilogy, sure, it doesn't fit. But if this is its own standalone thing, and I don't really watch this and feel like, oh, what a terrible conclusion, because they weren't continuing stories anyway. So I'm doing it. I'm buying this thing. Oh, you're taking my thunder. I was going to do that. But (laughs) bugger it, I'm buying it too. I'm buying it. (laughs) It's just so much fun. Like you like if you just want to put on a dumb movie that's just yeah. so stupidly over the top and campy and hilarious, I'm going to watch Batman and Robin. Like I again, I'm not a huge fan of the Tim Burton films. I like Batman Forever. I like the Bat- the Dark Knight trilogy. I'm a huge defender of Batman v Superman and Justice League. But this is just dumb fun it's brilliant and like sometimes you want a movie like that like we've made this comparison many times but doesn't this movie feel kind of like what you wanted different genre but kind of like what you wanted the meg to be like you wanted yeah. the meg to oh, be in yeah. camp and and being Thanks, yeah up. this i don't this... know i thanked you but like that's very true that's what i mean like <laughs> thanks colin <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> but no well, you're right because like that's what i wanted from the meg and that was um what was that other dumb one i saw geostorm yeah like, it's a similar thing like you want it to embrace what it is and kind of just you know that's why i like a like people rip on independence day or you know something like 2012 and we're going to talk about some of those shortly but like they know what they are and you can enjoy it. Again, I'm sorry I keep bringing up Die Another Day, but I just enjoy it for what it is. It's like how you and Noah enjoy Moonraker. I can't look past Moonraker, whereas you can. Like, this is just look past it. Like, I get why people are angry. People, fanboys, all that wanted something different and they went the complete opposite route. But, like, think about The Room. The Room is a terrible movie, but you can appreciate it for how bad it is and love every minute of it. I feel it's time for people to do this with Batman and Robin. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Completely agreed. Just just like it, everyone. Like, it's... (laughs) Um... Let's. I mean, let's quickly then rank. Why not? I mean, we might do this again in more seriousness if we end up doing the Batman, all the Batman movies next year. Who knows? But um, shall we just go? What are we? How many are we going through here? Are we including the DCEU ones? Like, do uh, we include Batman? Yeah, v I Superman? think those what are do you more shared do movies. So let's do just the Batman standalones. So are we including the Dark Knight trilogy? Or? Dark Knight trilogy and these. Let's go for it. So that's seven. All right, go from seven to one. Okay. Um, I probably would put Batman Returns at seven. I would do the same thing. Batman Returns, artistically, it is a much better movie. There's things that I appreciate about that movie, but it is boring to watch. That would be my last place of the Batman movies. Um, Yeah, I, I, it's been a long time since I've seen it. But, see, I remember more of the first Batman. Um, and, again, they're movies that I actually haven't seen a lot. But, I just again, I don't like Tim Burton, so it kind of I think they're overrated. But I still can remember enjoyment from the first Batman movie was Batman Returns... I just I remember a weird Danny DeVito creepy yeah. penguin and yeah. Um see number six I would probably either put Dark Knight Rises although I don't see I don't hate on Dark Knight Rises like everyone else does. Like I don't actually mind it, but then I also would almost put the first Batman movie, which is probably a, a bad choice. I'm doing this based on enjoyment, people. Mm-hmm. Right? I like Die Another Day. Uh I would probably put 1989 Batman because if I had to choose what I wanted to watch that would probably be the sixth one on the list if I was to do them out of a weird order like that 
I'm going to jump ahead of you here because basically for me, it is Batman, Robin, and 1989 Batman. I would put 1989 Batman slightly ahead of this because I think it is still all around enjoyable, but it's it, it has a story that makes sense. It is more dated than people remember when people try to say, like, that yeah, was the ultimate Batman. Is. Yeah, it is not hold up nearly as well as people think, but I'd rank it slightly higher than Batman Robin. So, I mean, Batman Robin, it's completely enjoyable still, but it would be ranked six for me, and then 1989 Batman is five. So I'd probably put it six. And again, this is based on my enjoyment factor, and I'll jump ahead and go to five as well. Because again, I, I, I really enjoy Batman Forever. I really, really do. But I weirdly enjoy Batman and Robin more. So I would probably put um, five Batman Forever and four uh, Batman and Robin. Which is, I just put Batman and Robin at number four. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, they've heard your rankings for other things. This is not a surprise. Uh I'm going to go with for as the Dark Knight Rises. Like, again, I love that movie. I think that it has just as many plot holes as people will pick apart from Batman and Robin or anything else. There's just as much absurdity with that movie. It's just as directed by Christopher Nolan, so it's different. But, I mean, I have no problem with it. As entertainment, Dark Knight Rises is a great movie. I saw the movie three times, you know, three times just when it was in theaters. So I love that movie. But, you know, there there is at least one of the classic Batman movies I would rank higher than it. Yeah, I, I would put Dark Knight Rises as three because, like, again, it's one of these ones where I see people picking it apart, but I also feel that it's one of these ones that people just go too much into picking it apart. Like, at the end of the day, this is a superhero movie and you're going to have some dumb things in it, like he's going to drop a nuclear bomb and he survives and, you know, like, I think people just got too inept in the Batman trilogy, the Dark Knight trilogy, that everything is super realistic. Yeah. You know? You literally have a man dressing up as a bat stopping crime. <laughs> and you think this is super realistic? Like, get out of it. But um, I still enjoy it. Like, look, I mean, I think kind of, I don't know how, it's tricky with number one and number two because I almost like Batman Begins and Dark Knight equally. Um, and I've probably seen Batman Begins more. It's been a long time since I've seen The Dark Knight, but I guess I probably will be completely cliche and put Dark Knight number one and Batman Begins number two. And what was your number three? Uh, Dark Knight Rises. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I'm going to I'm gonna put Batman Forever number three because uh, that is the one that really got me into Batman, and I still think so much about that movie holds up. I really would love to see a director's cut one day because if you watch the deleted scenes on the DVD, that is a movie where there was an even better movie that was sort of cut, and it, I still think what we got was great. But um, I mean, you really can't talk Batman Begins in Dark Knight. What I will say is that Dark Knight is the same way I said Batman Returns artistically a better movie. Dark Knight is artistically a better movie than Batman Begins. Uh, but I find Batman Begins to be a more powerful story. I do feel like maybe it does have a lot to do with like a lot of the shootings that have happened since then. It, obviously, the Batman theater shooting being one of them. When you go back and watch The Dark Knight, there is a little bit of Christopher Nolan glorifying the Joker. I understand that's part of the point, but... In a way, it's it's a little bit too hard to watch. It's a little bit too – maybe they went too far with the Joker by making him as much of a likable character or one that you would root for, you know, where it, it makes it harder to watch. It's definitely a heavier movie. But, I mean, I, Batman Begins is the one Batman movie I put on my top 50 movies of all time, and that, that I think is the most enjoyable all around. It's such a great story. Bruce Wayne, it's the best we'll ever see Bruce Wayne as a character. It's all him. Like, easily my favorite Batman movie. It's really no contest for me. Batman Begins is number one, but Dark Knight, definitely a more powerful movie. So, Dark Knight number two and Batman. F- Begins so, sorry, number say one. your top. Okay. And what was number three? Dark Knight ba- Rises. Batman Forever. 
Oh, Batman Forever. Okay, right. I forgot you hadn't put that out yet. Um, yeah, I think like I'll probably put more thought into that, and they'll probably change if we do them. Because I mean, again, with the Star Wars ones, I had a, a strong yeah. list, and then Revenge of the Sith ended up at number one. Um, and I think what I'm doing with the Bond movies at the time, well, I've stopped rewatching them because bloody didn't come out the other week, did it? But um, <laughs> you know, I think I'm going to be revising some of those as you go because you do you, you change your mind. Yeah. Um, quick, quick little ranking of the Batman's, and let's include Affleck in this one because um, yeah. I know we didn't before, but. Uh, what do we have? Four Batman. Yeah. Do we have four? Keaton, or five? Keaton, Kilmer, Clooney, Bale, Affleck. So we have five. All right. Who, number five. I'm putting Clooney at number five. Clooney, agreed. Um, Kilmer, number f- I don't remember. Uh, I do remember Kilmer. I don't know. Kilmer just always is... He's the bland... Like, he's just there. You know what I mean? Like, I just... I often forget he was Batman. So I'd put Kilmer at number four. It's, it's really tough because... I mean, I think they're all great at this point. You know, other than Clooney, who is just average, they're all great. But for me, I think it's just the fact that Kilmer nailed Batman so much, whereas Keaton was average as Batman, but such great Bruce Wayne. It really is a toss-up whether you're ranking the Bruce Waynes or the Batman for me. But if we're ranking Batman all around, I'd probably put Kilmer slightly higher than uh, than Keaton. So I'm going to go Keaton four and Kilmer three. I'd go Kilmer three. Uh, sorry, uh, Keaton three. One thing, actually, one of the reviews it, it said George Clooney has officially become the George Lazenby of Batman. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> it's a bit mean, you know, to Clooney. Um, no, to, to Lazenby actually. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd put Keaton three. Oh, it's so tricky for the top two because mm-hmm. uh, the thing, the, the, the trouble I have is that Affleck's in a different period of Batman. Like mm. he's such a good older gruff. Batman that he's seen it and he's kind of over it Batman you know what I mean he's a bit older it's it's kind of like what you say about with Craig and the older Bond you know what mm. I mean like he's kind of he's a bit worn torn and you you see the age affecting him more Roger Moore um but but Bale the thing with Bale though like you mentioned in Batman Begins he's so good as Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. um and you don't really you don't get a m- much of Affleck as Bruce Wayne you do but I feel like there's more to it so on that, and I love Ben Affleck. I think I said after Batman v Superman that he's maybe the best Batman. Um, but in Heinz, I'm going to put Bale at number one just because I think he just gives a complete performance all around. And as Bruce Wayne, he's great as Batman. Um, he's, he's probably got more to work with as well. Whereas, like, I, I could interchange them. If we do this list in a year's time, I could easily have Affleck at number one. And this is a week ago we were talking about this guy. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Ben Affleck. Number two, Christian Bale, number one. Yeah, I'm going to completely agree. Uh, I think what the only difference we have, did you swap Keaton and Kilmer? That's the only difference. Yeah, so Kilmer four, Keaton three. Yeah, I. Um, it really just comes down to the fact that Affleck didn't have as much to do as Bale did. Bale did had an entire trilogy of movies that, I mean, Dark Knight Rises, close to three hours long. You know, that's a lot more to work with than basically sharing one movie and then being one of five supporting characters in, in Justice League. But it's what Affleck did with much less screen time that's so impressive where I would say if we ever got a standalone Ben Affleck movie, which still could happen, like, honestly, the Batman has nothing to do with it. And Affleck has never said that he's never going to return as Batman. And they've kind of set this up so that we could potentially have Affleck come back and, and have you know a movie with both Batmans. Um, but Bale just had so much more to work with. And he is a, a, my favorite actor. Like my number one favorite actor is Christian Bale and Ben Affleck 
always sort of been love hate with Ben Affleck. You know, he's great and then he's bad and then he's great and then he's bad. Uh, but he surprised everybody, and I think you just have to give credit the fact that Ben Affleck could be the number two Batman of all time, and it, that it is almost a question of should he be number one? Like that's impressive. But yeah, here here we're reviewing Batman and Robin, and it's dead last on all the lists. And again, we, 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 this is just literally something we've come up with on the spot today. We, we mm-hmm. may end up doing them all next year in the lead up to the Batman. Um, and this is the thing we'll talk about that, no doubt, at the time. Everyone lost it when Robert Pattinson was cast as Batman. I literally didn't care because I'm you and I have had this chat on air before about how don't judge it until you yeah. see them. Because everyone was that way about Ben Affleck as Batman. That was like, what the hell, Ben Affleck? But he and turned Michael out Keaton. to be a fucking... Michael Keaton, you know, Daniel Craig is Bond. We've mm-hmm. been over this plenty of times. Whereas I see Robert Pattinson, oh, Twilight, boo-hoo. But from what I've not seen him in anything else, but from what I've heard, oh, he's in one of the Harry Potters, wasn't he? But whatever. But from what I've heard, he's actually really good in so yeah. many other different movies. So I'm not going to, I have no opinion of it until I see him. So yeah. anyway. Um, now, what we're going to do from next week onwards, again, all of our plans have changed this year, as everyone's has, because everything keeps getting delayed, blah, 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 blah. Um, but we have now decided, literally before we started recording this, let's do something very topical on the point that makes sense. We're going to introduce end of the world month. Uh, <laughs> because we've actually talked about doing this before and it just, we never got around to it. But why the hell not right now? Because basically we're all dying and the world is about to end. So we've decided to do four movies based on the end of the world, starting off with a movie that also ticks another bit of a box for a movie later on this year or maybe earlier. It's got Rene Russo in it. It's Outbreak. <laughs> yes. How topical. Um, and outside of Outbreak, we're also going to be doing Bird Box, a movie that I've never seen before, but Colin put that in the ring, so I'm interested to see that. Uh, one of my personal favourite movies of all time. I'm pretty sure it made my top 50 movies of all time from memory day after tomorrow. And 2012, the Batman and Robin of end of the world movies. Uh, So bad it's good because it is a weirdly stupid movie, but it's actually fantastic. So Mm -hmm. thoughts on end of the world month? Yeah, you know, in, in all honesty, I think the most interesting thing about this is this is what people are watching right now. And I haven't watched any of these recently, uh, like since this whole coronavirus thing broke. But I did watch Contagion, you know, before all the lockdowns and everything started, just as it was slowly starting to pick up where it's like, ooh, there's some countries right now that are on lockdown, not here in North America or anywhere else. But uh, and I found there were little things in there. I'm like, you know, this is actually quite topical, like some of the stuff. And uh, the the one that kind of stands out a little bit is Bird Box, because I guess it would qual- it would it would feel more like a quiet place or signs like more of a horror film. But I think of all these movies, that's the one we're probably going to watch and be like, yeah, a lot of things about this actually seem very, you know, uh, familiar right now. <laughs> uh, and the outbreak, obviously, and just with the virus thing. And then the other two just being end of the world disaster. Those are just movies we wanted to go. We, want, we had a disaster month that was planned a few years ago. And there was yeah. just no way to fit around our schedules because we were doing so many other things at the time. Uh, so just an excuse to do Day After Tomorrow in 2012 will be great. Uh, but I mean, obviously the one that I am most excited about is Day After Tomorrow, just like you, because that's a movie I can never get enough of. I absolutely love it. I love it more than Independence Day. I think it's the greatest thing Roland Emmerich ever did. Um, but Hmm, to to kick it off, to do, to kick it off with Outbreak though, I mean, that's the absolute best one we could do because really, if it wasn't going to be this, it was going to be Rene Russo month. So why don't we just, you know, add to Rene Russo. Let's get her up there in the Arnie rankings of Oz Network recaps and start out early with a little bit of Outbreak. 
all learned this from the most random throwaway quote ever last year, and somehow we're celebrating her. Um, <laughs> I need to do that more often. Oh, like <laughs> Natalie Portman. Never. Uh, <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, thank you. This has been a lot of fun, this bad, because this has been the worst bad movie month we've ever it done. Has. Because we really have done some absolute stinkers. I think this is the first time we've legitimately binned three of the four. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we were defending a lot more of these bad movies. But um, I like that, Colin. I, I actually weirdly liked it. It's fun to do that. Um, but it will be back next year. Um, I think we've already locked in like Glitter and The Love Guru. Um, so there'll be a few others that I think uh, we'll be we're going towards. But any suggestions out there, if you've there's some turkeys out there that you think why have you never covered that then let us know we can do that um i've enjoyed today particularly uh and we hope you have too uh my name is ben and cool it and my name is colin no sorry my name is colin (laughs) access granted Thanks for downloading this episode from the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as find out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks once again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.